Okay, good evening and welcome to the September 13th, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he is joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner John Trezvina, Commissioner Alex Lumberg, and Commissioner J.R. Epler. Also present is Deputy City Attorney Jen Huber who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Rich Hillis, director of the San Francisco Planning Department, Tina Tam, deputy zoning administrator, also from the planning department, Matt Green, deputy director of inspection services with DBI, uh, Veronica Slattengren, program manager for the site mitigation program, environmental health branch of Department of Public Health, and Ryan Casey, a caseworker with the DPH site mitigation program. And for item four, we will also be joined by representatives from the California Department of Toxic Substances Control, DTSC. Uh, we have Parag Shah, who's the project manager. He will be presenting and also in attendance to answer questions. Uh, are Kimberly Walsh, unit chief, Hortensia Muniz-Ghazi, branch chief, and Catherine Creozier, staff legal counsel. Now the board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The rules of presentation are as follows. For rehearing requests, the parties and department, departmental respondents are given three minutes each and no rebuttal. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant a rehearing request. If you have questions about the board rules or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV, cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person. Two, via Zoom. Go to our website and click on the hearings link and then the Zooms link. Uh, three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833. Enter webinar ID 848. 3864-2804. And again, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you're watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first dial star six seven, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star nine, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star six to unmute yourself. You will have three minutes. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it's very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers, otherwise there is interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we will take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. 
Now we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say I do after you've been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Okay, thank you. If, if you are a participant and you are not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. So item number one is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who'd like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there any member of the public who wishes to speak on an item that is not on tonight's agenda? We have one person right here in the hearing room and I believe we have a few people on Zoom. Welcome, you have three minutes. Should I go ahead and start this? Computer, please. This was my backyard earlier this year uh, when a storm came through. Basically, it got flooded because my neighbors on both sides built ADUs with 60 to 80% concrete in their backyard. The water dumps into my yard. The house behind me has a lot of concrete and a 10 by 10. The house over here has concrete and a 10 by 10. Only this house over here just has grass in their backyard. So all of this is getting dumped into my yard. I ended up having to go out and take a shovel and start punching holes to try to keep the water from going into my lower unit of my house so I would get mold. I fortunately hit a mole hole, and that's the only reason the water started glugging out of my backyard. But I had over six inches, because if you watch the video, it literally, there's waves back in my backyard from all the water that got dumped in. I went and ordered 12 inch plastic and I've wrapped my entire yard in plastic trying to create a, a shield to keep the water out of my yard. So I know with SB 9 and 10, the goal is to try to take a normal house and convert it into up to four units. In doing that and going almost to the property line, you're gonna create more of these situations in the neighboring houses I've also been in backyards where people have done illegal versions of it, where you're in the backyard and there's no sun because they're two or three stories tall and grandpa's living in that building and it's blocking all the light for the neighbors. You have people looking down on you. It's creating an environment that's not why most people bought a house out in the sunset. So, you know, if you guys need 80,000 units, you could just, by changing the law and making it so if somebody wants to rent out their lower unit, that they're not held hostage by the person that rents from them. If I say to somebody, I'll give you six months if I ever sell. Six months is a lot of time for somebody to go look for another apartment. The people getting those apartments know that they're getting them at discounted rate because you can't charge as much for it. And most of my neighbors on my block refuse to use a space that's sitting empty. It's an eco-friendly thing for the city to do. There's no nothing needs to be built, it's there, it's just not being used because people feel like they're handcuffed that if they get a renter, they're gonna get charged $100,000 or something to try to get that person to move out. So just with some legislative changes, it could be different. Also, I don't know seconds. if a lot, of, a lot of people know, but for instance, my taxes are $15,000. When you amortize it over 30 years, when I'm my dad's age, my taxes are gonna be 30, over $30,000. 
Many of my neighbors who have taxes over $10,000, when they're retired, aren't gonna be able to afford to live in their houses. So being able to take their ADU and, or their, their in-law unit and actually making it something that they can have rental income, you can get the rental units that you want for more density in the city, and it's gonna alleviate a lot thank of the problems you. that you're dealing with, so. Thank you, that's time. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else in the hearing room who would like to provide general public comment? Okay, I don't see anyone, so we're gonna go to Zoom. Mr. McMurdo, please go ahead. Um, thank you, Julie, Alec. Um, a few taxi permit holders plan to comment tonight. Thanks also to the commissioners, especially for the favorable rulings last November 16 on all three appeals involving disabled career drivers who also held a Prop K taxi medallion. <clears throat> Subsequently, the city attorney and transportation director arbitrarily ruled that your board no longer has jurisdiction over taxicab permit appeals, even though that right is embedded in the year 1932 city charter. Please be advised that SFMTA has now begun a new expansive wave of similar permit revocations. Even the three permit holders you've indicated last November have had their medallions non-renewed yet again. And thanks most of all for your remarkable diligence you've shown over the years in serving the public and your roles. We taxi member, industry members hope that in the near future, your board will regain jurisdiction over taxi permit appeals. That's it, thanks. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the phone number ending in 2801. Please go ahead. You, you need to press star, okay, you've unmuted yourself. You have three minutes. Yeah, my comment is about the uh, number one issue. Sorry, I dialed in too soon. Okay. Thank you. We will now hear from the phone number ending in 1405. Please go ahead. Nyhart wondered whether there are lawyers on this board who will fight for taxi drivers whose permits have been taken away. And thank the MTAA for not permitting us to group to appeal revocations. Why should taxi drivers have to pay thousands of dollars to an attorney to get the city to act properly and uh, uh, restore our appeal rights? Is there any other group in San Francisco who does not have access to the Board of Appeals? Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Nyhart. We will now hear from the phone number ending in 2528. Please go ahead. You need, yes, go, go ahead. Hello? Yes, hello. Yes, hello, my name is George Horble. I have taxi medallion 1303. I drove a cab in San Francisco for 43 years, and in December of 2016, I suffered an almost fatal bout of kidney failure and have been in a wheelchair ever since. I'm unable to walk, and I'm totally unable to drive a cab. Now, the MTA is attempting to take away my taxi medallion 
in spite of the fact that I've been in front of them two times and in front of the Board of Appeals five times, which ultimately affirmed my right to keep my taxi medallion. However, now the MTA has unilaterally said that the Board of Appeals has no standing whatsoever and they're going to take my taxi medallion anyway, in spite of the fact that this right to appeal has been enshrined in the San Francisco City Charter for over 90 years. This is just an unconscionable power grab by an unaccountable city agency. They are now a star chamber that makes up their own rules as they go along, and the city charter be damned. Now, I don't know what the upshot of all this is going to be, but I just want to take this time, this opportunity, to thank all the commissioners and President Swig for doing the right thing and affirming my right to keep my medallion. I am forever grateful to each and every one of you. And may God bless you all. Thank you very, very, very much. And blessings upon you all. Thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from Marcelo Fonseca. Please go ahead. Mr. Fonseca? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Marcelo Fonseca. I am a career cab driver, long-time driver, uh, full-time driver for more than 30 years. And I, I have been a medallion holder since 2009. I'm also calling to make you aware of the MTA going after the very same permit holders you granted appeals to not long ago. And they're not the only ones. They're going after many more medallion holders. Uh, they are being vindictive, and I'm very troubled by that. Um, I really hope there will be a challenge to the city attorney's opinion that the MTA has the power to terminate cab drivers' rights to appeal to this Board of Appeals. Um, the MTA is abusing its power by seeking revenge against medallion holders whose cases they lost. If there is anything you can do to regain jurisdiction of, of taxi permit appeals, I urge you to do so. Um, I really think this abuse of power by the MTA must stop. I thank you profoundly for the cases you heard before. I thank you profoundly for the rulings uh, before. Uh, but again, I just want to be here tonight with my colleagues and bring to your awareness that the MTA is being vindictive, um, going after the very same people you granted appeals to not long ago. Thank you very much. Thank you. We will now hear from Mark. Please go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Welcome. Okay. Uh, my name is Mark Paulson, and I am the current holder of Taxi Medallion 365. I am 81 years old and a native San Franciscan. I actively drove a taxi in San Francisco for 42 years, from 1970 until June of 2012, when I was diagnosed at the age of 70 with atrial fibrillation. I'm here today to express my concerns about the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, which, 
in my opinion, very often operates outside the law and generally accepted ethical standards. In fact, I just recently received a notice of non-renewal for my taxi medallion from the SFMTA, which came as quite a surprise to me, given the fact that the reason cited by the SFMTA for its refusal to renew my medallion were the exact same arguments it had presented at my hearing before the Board of Appeals on March 2nd, 22, 2022, when the SFMTA was the appellant. What is even more surprising is the fact that the SFMTA did not challenge the decision made by the Board of Appeals at that time when it lost its appeal to have my medallion revoked, but has since decided to come after me a third time now that my right to an impartial hearing before the Board of Appeals has been removed. So there is little doubt in my mind that should a third hearing take place, it will be conducted by a kangaroo court-like setting. It will be conducted in a kangaroo court-like setting. Uh, and while I cannot afford a lawyer and must rely on uh, Chad GPT for legal advice, it did mention something, uh, and I'm not a Latin scholar, but it's, so I wouldn't pronounce it correctly, but it's R-E-S, uh, it looks like judica, and collateral estoppel, which I'm sure would mean a great deal to the lawyers there. Um, they would understand that. So the decision to subject me to a third hearing uh, raises questions about the legalities of the SFMTA's actions. Now, that having been said, I wish to reiterate that it is still my position that the SFMTA's policy of compelling the elderly, retired, and disabled taxi medallion holders, who are no longer operating motor vehicles for hire and no longer in safety-sensitive positions, to submit to drug and alcohol testing is a violation of their Fourth Amendment right against unreasonable searches. So I implore the Board of Appeals to thoroughly examine the legalities of these actions by the SFMTA and ensure that the rights of individuals are upheld in accordance with the law. Uh, that's it, folks, for me. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from Tomasita Medal. Please go ahead. I'm calling about, uh, I'm about the... Um 2550 Irving Street. Uh, okay, uh, ma'am, that item hasn't been called yet. So oh. this is general public comment. So you okay. can, we'll, we'll call you later. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Uh, is there any other general public comment? I see one more hand. Uh, Renee Lazier, are you here for general public comment, not for an item on the agenda? I'm here for uh, a 2550, sorry. Okay, no I'll problem. We'll, we'll get to you later, thank you. Is there thank any you. further general public comment? Okay, I don't see any, so we'll move on to item number two. Commissioner, comments and questions? Commissioners, anybody have anything? Seeing none, let's move, oh, sorry. Uh, th thank you, thank you, President Swig. Um, I've been on for a year now and I don't know the answer to this question. Uh, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, Department of Fair Employment and Housing, a lot of agencies have protections for retaliation from people who come before them. And I'm wondering whether, without, without commenting on the specifics of the people who have already spoken this afternoon, do we have any such retaliation pr provisions 
or are there any in the city charter that uh, you may know about or the city attorney may know about? I would refer that to the city attorney who always has answers to those difficult questions. Well, not, not always. I'm not sure I do this time. I, I don't know that the charter has specific provisions, but any of the federal laws would, of course, apply to city employees. Well, they may reply, but as to provisions for people who come before us, any protections against retaliation for coming to us. Uh, I'm not aware of anything specific in the charter related mm -hmm. to uh, retaliation. Or, or in our I, rules. Uh, I'm not aware of anything okay. specifically on that. Thank you. Julie, do you have anything to add to that? I'm not aware of any rule or ordinance that would uh, address uh, your concern about retaliation. Is there, a, uh, is there a commission like the Ethics Commission that we can refer this question to? Because it's a very interesting question. I don't think we know all the facts related okay. to the MTA. Um, it, of course, the Ethics Commission is all, he, always available. He didn't available. talk about MTA. The ethics he talked about, in, in yeah. general, anybody that retaliates against somebody who comes in front of us. So I was just wondering. Yeah. Because when when somebody has a problem with one of us, we end up in front of ethics, uh, generally, uh, and generally do are, are protected very nicely. But I wonder if the public is protected equally. That's all. Good question for somebody. Thank you for that question. Really, I, I think given, given the importance of all the issues that come before us and the agencies that that whose decisions are made originally. Um, people can feel that they are, they may feel retaliated against and there should be a place for them to go. So I would um, want us to explore that with the city attorney for future consideration. Thank you, that's a very good question, appreciate it. Any, anybody else have anything today? <coughs> Seeing none, let's move on, thank you okay, very much. Okay, is there any public comment on this item? Commissioner, comments and questions? I see one hand raised, Ms. Lazier, I know you, are you here still for 2550 or are you raising your hand to comment? No, I'm so sorry. I thought I lowered my hand and I didn't. I okay. apologize. No problem. Thank you. I'll do that now. Okay. So I don't see any public comment for this item. So we'll move on to item number three, the adoption of the minutes before you for a discussion of possible adoption are the minutes of the September 6, 2023 meeting. And I did speak with President Swig before the hearing and for item five, he wanted to clarify that he made the motion for only the first three reasons specified by Commissioner Lemberg. Um, one, the initial notice provided by Public Works is flawed. Two, the notice of the hearing sent out by the board office was flawed since there was an incorrect address on the Public Works order. And three, the permit holder submitted a brief at the hearing and the appellant did not have an opportunity to review it. Consequently, he wants to strike the last three reasons specified in the minutes. Any comment on that, guys? Or do I have a motion with that uh, consideration? I'll move to approve the minutes as amended. Thank you. Okay, we have a motion from Commissioner Trasvina to approve the minutes as amended by President Swig. On that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries and the minutes are adopted as amended. 
So we are now moving on to item number four. This is a rehearing request for appeal number 23-034, subject property at 2550 Irving Street, Mid-Sunset Neighborhood Association, MSNA. The appellant is requesting a rehearing of appeal number 23-034, which was decided on August 16th. At that time, upon motion by Vice President Lopez, the board voted two to two to one, Commissioner Trisvenia and Commissioner Lumber dissented and President Swig absent, to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. Lacking the three votes needed to pass, the motion failed. Uh, upon motion by C Commissioner Trisvenia, the board voted two to two to one, Vice President Lopez and Commissioner Epler dissented and President Swig absent to continue this item to sept September 6th, so that, the so that President Swig could participate in the decision. Lacking the three votes needed to pass, the motion failed. No further motions were made by the commissioners, so the permit was upheld by operation of law. Uh, the permit holders, Tenderloin Neighborhood Development Corporation, the permit description to erect seven-story type IB 90 dwelling unit building with zero basements to include residential support service office, property management office, bike parking, service space, and residential parking with puzzle lift and pit stacker system. 100% affordable housing. Mayor Directive 13-01. It's permit number 2022-0505-3630. And as a preliminary matter, President Swig, did you have an opportunity to watch the video and review the materials for the hearing which took place on August 16th? I I did, and furthermore, I think I have to uh, disclose that uh, I have had dealings with counsel representing one of the parties, uh, and that which is for, for all of Mark Talenbron, and I have no uh, conflict or yeah. reason to. Um, counsel for the permit holder for Braun and Martel, right. and and that it wouldn't so affect that, your decision tonight. That won't tonight. affect my decision in this matter. Okay. Thank you. So we will now uh, begin this case and we'll hear first from the appellant, the requester. And welcome, Mr. Wang. You have three minutes. Thank you, uh, Enoch Wang for appellant at the Sunset Neighborhood Association, board members, President Swig, Vice President Lopez. Uh, at the last hearing, it, it was readily apparent I'll restart your time. Please speak in the mic. At the last hearing, it was uh, readily apparent how important an issue this was and also how inconclusive uh, the evidence that was presented was. Please speak in the mic. We really can't hear you, and the public needs to hear you as well. Thank you. Uh, at the last hearing, it was uh, readily apparent how important an issue this was and, and, the, and how it was inconclusive. Um, the findings uh, and the evidence, the conflict between the limited testimony that was given by the experts on MSNA side, um, and also the issues that were raised at the, uh, through question and answer, and uh, that were raised uh, at the comments by the comments made by board members at the very end of the hearing. Uh, manifest injustice uh, is a standard which uh, means clear error or prejudice to the party if. Uh, if a different result was not reached. There's manifest injustice here uh, to MSNA, uh, and that's the reason why rehearing is necessary. Uh, there was a couple of very important misconceptions that the evidence of rehearing would uh, serve to, to uh, vet and to clarify. Uh, the first uh, of those misconceptions is that um, it's, there seemed to be agreement that uh, 
the neighborhood needs to be cleaned up. But what difference would it make to clean up 2550? Uh, the evidence will show that it would make a, a significant uh, difference to clean up 55, uh, 2550 uh, in terms of cleaning up the neighborhood. Conversely, if you leave it be, you don't clean up 2550, you let the construction uh, be, be completed, you clean up around 2550, there will still be contamination at that site uh, that will be causing a, a significant health risk to the neighbors. Um, thirdly, and most importantly, um, the evidence every hearing will, will go into detail about the, the uh, specific health risk that exists. There's a conflict between the testimony. Uh, you will hear more extensively from the medical toxicologist uh, for MSNA, Dr. Durrani, regarding uh, interpreting the findings um, at the indoor air sampling um, and the effect that it will have uh, on uh, the uh, the neighbors. Um, there, there was also misconceptions, um, and this was apparent in DTSC's um, a DAD, uh, which is uh, decide, announce, uh, defend approach. Um, there were various inconsistencies that were really not brought out until the end of the hearing. Amongst these in inconsistencies were uh, characterizations and uh, whether a source is needed. Uh, if if you could pause so I could show the slide. Uh, time has paused. Can we have the computer, please? Uh, computer, thank you. Uh, this is slide number one. Uh, you will see that um, th there's a number of inconsistencies. It's a little bit hard to read, but this is the evidence that will come out at rehearing. Uh, number two. Um, can you pause? I'm not getting the yeah, I paused the time. second slide. Maybe you could give him a hand, please. Okay, you can go ahead. It's up there. It's on the computer. I thought. It's right there. It, yeah, I'm showing the cursor. DTSC uh, posited that the contamination was coming from the businesses to the east of 26. The sewer lateral stops um, at uh, 26, goes north. Thank you. That's uh, time. Okay, thank you. We do have a couple questions. One from President Swig. Well, just to be Shul. clear, the, the reason you're uh, in a rehearing request, is, uh, it was identified that this is manifest injustice first and foremost because the uh, you feel that DTSC got more time to speak than than you did, you're for, you're, you're, um, than the appellant did. Uh, they got right. considerably more time to speak. Uh, right. the, the important issues, many of them were Excuse me. That was the answer. Yes. Uh, upon my review, and I had the luxury of being able to sit in front of my, uh, my computer and see it over and over again if I wanted to, uh, the reason the DTSC received 
more time is not because they were offered more time, but because the commissioners rightfully asked questions because the commissioners wanted more information which would uh, inform them as to make the, making the proper decisions. So why are, uh, that is the reason the, the DTSC had more actual time because the commissioners were asking them the questions, not because this commission offered them in some proprietary fashion uh, or, or priority fashion, sorry, the, the time. So why, where is the manifest injustice if the commissioners trying to do the best possible job that they could for, for all sides, including the public uh, who is not a party, uh, where is the manifest injustice to that? The manifest injustice isn't what the commissioners did or didn't do. Uh, the uh, commissioners have a very uh, honorable uh, and difficult job. The manifest injustice is what would happen if uh, there wasn't a full uh, opportunity to present evidence on the critical issues uh, that were raised uh, at the tail end of the hearing. That's where the manifest injustice is a term that comes from, uh, it's established through case law, it borrows from statute, uh, particularly federal rules, uh, and it refers to the prejudice that would result if the outcome were to stand. And uh, the, the error uh, that would result if the result were to stand. It's nothing uh, that the board did do or didn't do in fact, there was a motion to have another hearing on this that uh, was deadlocked. And, and, and I understand everything that you said. If we were to consider that point as manifest injustice, we would have a rehearing on just about every case that comes in front of us because there's new evidence that, which is presented, which, is all, which sometimes surfaces not new evidence, but further discussion of evidence that is being rehashed and, and, further, in, uh, and further inquiry being made during question and answer periods. So um, the, the, the issue for me is that, that th there was a full hearing on this. Uh, the appellant and, uh, the, appellant and the, the permit holder, as well as the, the planning department, had the full opportunity to give it their best shot, present all the information that they possibly could. Uh, my ob observation is that the appellant uh, made, a, made their presentation, uh, had the opportunity to, and especially since, especially since this was the second go-round, uh, uh, we had heard this before, uh, in many cases, what I observed it was re rehashing the same m information. Clearly, in the first hearing, even though we're hearing the second hearing allegedly de novo, still there was information that was available to the public, and, and it had been discussed uh, that uh, so so uh, so information information could could have been, that was important could have been anticipated, and there and I thought that you all put forth a a very strong. Uh, a presentation uh, in 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 making your case, and that and that was that. As did the permit holder, as did planning, and and in their diligence, these commissioners asked really good questions that further investigated, and 
but w we would just be rehearing rehearing what should have been done in the first place and i don't understand why there is new information or why you're thinking that we wouldn't be rehashing the, the, the same stuff that was heard in, in the first case. That's where my problem is, and that's where I'm questioning whether there's manifest injustice, because there's no new information. It's rehash. We all know what you're, what you're saying, and we have heard it before. So where's the manifest injustice? So, uh, sure. I'd just like to, hi, good to see you all again. I was here at the first hearing. There's manifest injustice because, um, MSNA has experts that are comparable to the DTSC, and this commission's frankly being misled and misinformed by DTSC. It's, 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 that, it's that simple. I, I can go through a list. This last investigation that you asked for um, was rigged by DTSC. They rigged the investigation. They did completely the opposite of what we asked for. They didn't engage us. and. It's, it's, it's hiding, for guys like me, it's hiding in plain sight in the public record. It's, it's you know, the manifest injustice is you need to let experts like me who, who know this site as well as anywhere, and I've been working on it for two and a half years. I know it better than DTSC. I work with DTSC day in and day out with my, my professional consulting practice, and DTSC has gone rogue in this situation. We heard from Meredith Williams, a director of DTSC, that the most protective standard needed to be applied in this situation. And DTSC, we, I know sites where more protective standard is being applied. Um, and, and this, I mean, I can go into all these details if you give me a few minutes here to, to talk. Um, you frankly are being misled by DTSC. They're covering up their old mistakes. Um, this is such a simple situation to clean up. Remediation of this site, if they had listened to us two years ago during the public comment, this would all be cleaned up. We wouldn't be here anymore. You know, when, when <laughs> like a, a clean property, an un, you know, a clean property with no health risk, that used to mean something. These people are trying to sweep health risk under the rug. Um, I, I can detail this out. I mean, the DTSC and Path Forward colluded on that investigation, not to find anything, and they put a standard out there that's like some ridiculous standard that myself and Dan Grasmick, who testified last time, have, have never even heard of. You know, we've, we've cleaned up hundreds of sites without this sort of phantom source, you know, Dean Apple source that, you know, Whit Smith keeps saying needs to, needs to be there to clean up this site. That's just not true. I'm actively managing multiple SVE sites under DTSC and waterboard oversight. And, you know, we're cleaning up. The, in the last six months, we've cleaned up, you know, 3,000 pounds at a site in Visalia. We don't have anywhere near that here, but we can... We can reduce the health risk out here, the levels, by 90 percent if, if people just, you know, realize that there's a simple solution here. And if you give us another hearing in equal time, I, I can detail all this. Um, I, I mean, DTSC has made numerous mistakes. They've missed opportunities. They're covering their tracks. They don't even have an own. When I got involved, they didn't have an understanding of you know, how the voluntary cleanup and, and clear agreements work hand in hand together. There was a rookie, um, Arthur Machado, that, you know, 
was his first rodeo, and he didn't even know what he was talking about. I'm like, it was, it was like another world. They let police credit union, who should have completed the investigation and should, have, should be remediating the site, they let them go. They let them walk out of a voluntary cleanup agreement before the job was done. And um, like I said at the prior hearing, they're sitting around laughing somewhere at this, saying, like, so we got away with this, because um, they did. And the bigger picture here is the whole neighborhood. There's this property, but you know, if, if, if they let mitigation go here, that's gonna happen on the south side where the police credit union wants to build housing there. I mean, what happened to this board of supervisors resolution? I, you know, I know it's non-binding, but you know, <laughs> I would hope it means something. You know, a resolution unanimously passed by the board of supervisors. DTSC, they screwed up. They didn't evaluate soil vapor extraction in the in the response plan process. Um, you know, we've got Lenny Siegel here who can highlight multiple areas on that slide where DTSC is not following their own guidance. I mean, Thank we you. need this. We, there's manifest injustice because you are being misled by DTSC and they're misrepresenting information. And if you give Thank us you. and ask our experts the right questions. Thank you. you know. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate sir. appreciate the passion. Can you appreciate say your name for the record, sir? Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Lemberg. Sir, can you give me a reminder on your name, please, for the minutes? Sorry. Thank you. Yes, I recall. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, my opinion on this matter is no secret. However, I... Um, you're here on a rehearing request, and it's a different standard than a regular hearing, um, and we have to address that. And uh, I, I'm going to ask a question that I think President Swig uh, took for granted the answer to, but um, has there been any new evidence since the, our August 16th hearing that would be presented that has not already been presented? When you mean new evidence, uh, there, there was... Uh, evidence that uh, uh, was not shared with us that we did not have access to um, after the end of July I, when we submitted our briefs. I understand that. That was in your briefing. What I wanted, uh, my question is, has there been any new information uncovered since August 16th? Um, yes, very recently. This was available, but kind of slipped under the radar. Um, and that was the um, uh, computer. Computer, please. What's up? That was this slide right here. This was buried in, uh, this is from All West, uh, their uh, TNDC's consultant. Uh, this point, uh, I think that we, uh, we weren't aware of this before, and it's an important point. Uh, Respectfully, Mr. Wang, that says September 27th, 2020 on it. Exactly. So it's been available, but it's, it's something that we uncovered uh, subsequent to August 16th, the, the fact that the sewer uh, lateral but ends. That's not new evidence. It's, not, it's okay. not new that, evidence. That's not no, new evidence. No. So is there any new evidence since August 16th, 2023 that was not available by the last hearing and uh, not including the things that happened on August 14th and August 15th? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Thank you. Um, uh, 
Uh, I'll come back. My fellow commissioners have questions. I'll ask them later. Commissioner Trisvenia. Uh, th thank you, President Swig. And we've kind of lapsed into discussion and, and argument on this. Uh, and I, I, I'm trying not to do that. But uh, I'm wondering, it seems to me that Commissioner Lemberg is assuming that the standard is new or different material facts or circumstances, which is a quote from our rule. But as I read our rule, it's that it says, except in extraordinary cases and to prevent manifest injustice, you need new, or new circumstances. So my question to you is, um, can you, are, are you, are you standing, you're standing on manifest injustice because that's what's required under our rule rather than new or different uh, material facts. There, there are two different prongs. Yeah, it, it, it the um, standard is except in extraordinary cases and to prevent manifest injustice. The board may grant a hearing request only upon a showing of new or different material facts. So you don't need to show new or different material facts or circumstances that have arisen if you have, if it's necessary to prevent manifest injustice. So that's what our rehearing request is based on, Thank to you. prevent manifest injustice. Thank you. And I'll ask the city attorney at some point to weigh in on what our, what our uh, rule means. Uh, it's not grammatically written, so perhaps she can provide some, some guidance as well. On, in, in our hearing record at page 397, I, which you did not submit, but somebody named J.J. Hollingsworth submitted, there, uh, page 397 out of 408, there is a diagram called Cancer Cluster in and Around PCE Contaminated Brownfield. Are, have you ever seen that? Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I, I've seen a cancer cluster map. I, I'm not sure if, I, I'm assuming it's the same one yeah. I've seen. It looks pretty extraordinary to me. Would you, would you consider that manifest injustice to allow that to continue? With, with, without a rehearing? I would. I think the health hazard is the most serious here, and that's why we're here. Thank you. And um, the DTSC filed a brief, and to quote them, uh, Catherine Kriazir, uh says, DTSC is committed to ensuring that all residents of the new development and surrounding neighbors remain safe. Do you consider the surrounding neighbors currently in a safe condition, that in which case they would be remaining safe? No, I would not. So why not? Because uh, of uh, the analysis and uh, testimony of Dr. Durrani, medical toxicologist at UCSF, and uh, the work done by Lenny Siegel. Thank you. Thank you, Vice President Lopez. Thank you, Mr. Wong. Um, I guess further along the manifest injustice prong, um, you know, what you laid out uh, just now in your testimony and, and in your brief, uh, a number of, of different arguments. I think the one that, that I could see a potential pathway uh, in my mind, anyway, is this question of inconsistency in DTSC's testimony, and I believe you had a slide on that. Um, 
your, your time was pretty limited, so I was hoping um, not to completely reopen everything, but if you could just give us, you know, maybe a couple of um, high-level points to, to fuller, fully kind of color in that argument. And, and, and what, what I would like to hear, um, I think the previous two hearings have been uh, somewhat focused on like competing experts. And as, as we've noted a couple of times, you know, we, we don't have a, we have a panel of mostly lawyers up here and not scientists. Uh, so it's hard for us to, to suss through uh, competing uh, claims of science. And in my opinion, that's uh, those types of standards are best left for, for uh, legislative bodies to determine and not for, for our body to, to weigh in on. But to the extent that you have an inconsistency within DTSC's own testimony, not, for example, saying, hey, you know, they're applying the wrong standard, we think this other standard should be applied, but rather DTSC said A, that doesn't get you to B within their own, within the confines of their own, the, f the four corners of what they've said. That's, that's, I guess, what I would consider to be an inconsistency that this board could weigh in on um, to the extent that we're ruling based on something that's not uh, in line with a kind of logical, consistent argument from DTSC. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, so there's a couple things, and I'm going to ask Lenny Siegel to weigh in on this too, because he's the vapor intrusion expert, and uh, he's got a couple decades of experience, so he prepared this uh, this slide. So, um, but first I want to say uh, uh, that, yes, there are inconsistencies uh, uh, that are, uh, can be found within their own testimony with each other. Uh, there's uh, inconsistencies between their testimony and written DTSC guidance, which this slide uh, points to. And there's also, it, it, and we're not uh, asking uh, this board to uh, do anything but to evaluate uh, expert testimony, which is what it does. Uh, we're not asking the board to, to change. It's not a legislative body. Uh, but there, the, uh, the third part of inconsistency is also uh, between uh, DTSC's treatment of this site and its treatment of other sites. And all of that will be fleshed out through uh, the uh, evidence and testimony presented at uh, rehearing. So I want to ask Lenny Siegel, uh, he's on Zoom, if you can talk to this slide in particular. So c can you hear me? Yes, we can. So I want to highlight two issues that uh, I did not have an opportunity at the last hearing to respond to, where DTSC statements at the hearing did not comport with DTSC guidance. And DTSC guidance is supposed to govern the activities of the organization. The first was a statement that uh, you can't do a uh, you can't do a remedy until uh, the site has been fully investigated, and that's I believe Whit Smith said that. And that, that's true to some degree, but there's very clear uh, language in the Proven Technologies Guidance, which specifies that soil vapor extraction can be used as an interim remedy uh, for addressing a site exactly like this. The other thing was the, the statement that the, in most of the, in the homes that have been uh, analyzed, you know, have been sampled, 
the idea that, that the, the levels of contamination are acceptable. And in doing that, and I, you know, I, I read the report, but I didn't have a chance to compare it against guidance. Um, those levels, uh, in order to, to make those acceptable, the DTSC said used averaging. And under the concept of reasonable maximum exposure, which both TTSC and US EPA use, you don't average if you just have essentially two temporal samples, two samples over time. It's it doesn't follow DTSC guidance. Now, if they had done several samples over a course of a couple of years, that'd be one thing. But for them to say that levels are, are acceptable is premature and in conflict with their guidance. So, you know, if we have another hearing, and you know, maybe we won't, because I can count, um, I would like to present this material in more detail. Is that a is that a good summary? Uh, yeah, there's okay. it's probably five or six points uh, that that are inconsistent internally with their own testimony, with various things that were presented, in, and also uh, or in, inconsistent with written gu guidance as applied uh, and and with their treatment of other sites, similar sites. Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lumberg. I, I did incorrectly state the standard, and I, uh, it is in the alternative to prevent manifest injustice. Um, I guess my question is what, is the, is the manifest injustice in your, in your eyes here the result of the last hearing, or is it something other than that? Because I've, I've heard a few times, including in your briefing, that the manifest injustice is the result itself, uh, and the, maybe the process that we went through last time. But what, apart from what Commissioner Trezvina mentioned a few minutes ago, what what other parts of manifest injustice am I missing here? So the term manifest injustice isn't defined in the board rule. So I looked at uh, particularly uh, federal rules of civil procedure. Uh, 59, it, 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 that's a term that's been interpreted by a lot of courts. And uh, how manifest injustice is defined, it's also defined in the Black's Law Dictionary. Um, there's more of a substantive component than a procedural component. Uh, there, the procedure is involved, and in, in, uh, the sort of the classic example is uh, if, if um, somebody is is wrongfully convicted. I'm, I'm not asking what the definition of manifest injustice is. I'm asking what the manifest injustice is here. If we don't re grant this rehearing, it's it's the result that uh, there there wouldn't be a cleanup uh, before uh, construction. Uh, that it can be accomplished without delaying the project. It would cause detriment, harm to the neighboring residents that would not be cured by vapor intrusion and mitigation. It would continue to sit in the neighborhood. It wouldn't be cured by cleaning up around it. Okay. In, in, in my view, it's a result that would result from the fa failure to hear both sides of the, the issue of consistency and DTSC and its guidance. Thank you. Okay, President Swig, anything further? Your name's still up there. Oh, no. Okay, thank you. No further questions, you can be seated. We will now hear from the permit holder. Does the mic work? 
Yes, we can hear you. All right. Uh, good evening. Thank you, President Spick and members of the board. My name is Shreya Shah. I'm the Associate Director of Housing Development at TNDC. As you probably know, TNDC is a mission-driven nonprofit with a successful track record at owning, managing, and developing housing for low-income people in San Francisco. Since 1981, we have developed over 4,600 affordable homes, all of which have been built here in the city. The 2550 Irving Project serves our mission by providing housing and services for low-income people in the West Side and thereby promoting equitable access to opportunity. As with all of our projects, the project at 2550 Irving has taken a long time and a tremendous amount of work and effort by an army of people. Issuance of this permit is one of the final steps before we begin construction on a project that we have been working on for over three years. For context, MSNA has raised objections to the project since the beginning. These objections have included, but have by no means been limited to, the concerns over PCE. MSNA originally objected to the scale of the project and its appropriateness for the neighborhood. In fact, as I mentioned at the last hearing, we continue to defend against active litigation by MSNA over these issues. As to the environmental concerns, MSNA has already been heard on multiple occasions. DTSC held three public meetings about the neighborhood-wide environmental concerns, and this board has held about 12 hours of hearings, and hundreds of pages of materials have been submitted by the MSNA across the last two appeals. We believe the San Francisco process has already afforded them a full vetting of their concerns. To recap what the board has already heard during the last two appeals, the site has been extensively tested, characterized, and investigated, and the conclusion of the experts with jurisdiction over the issue is that the 2550 Irving site is not a source of PCE. Approval of the site permit or denial of this rehearing request will not change these material facts or the outcome for the neighborhood. Also, no new facts or circumstances really have come to light that warrant a rehearing. Please consider that the MSNA's appeals and lawsuits have already added approximately a million dollars of costs to the project. This project highlights the difficulties of building affordable housing and the high cost of doing so, especially in San Francisco. A rehearing of this appeal would be a waste of precious resources. It would add even more costs, delays, and energy that should be allocated to far more productive pursuits, such as building more housing. It is time to move forward. Please deny this request for a rehearing and allow us to build this important housing Thank on you. the That's city's time. west side. Thank you. Thank you. I don't see any questions at this time. Okay, yes, Commissioner Trisvina. Uh, th th thank you for your, for your testimony and for the brief that was filed. Uh, this has come up before, the issue of whether 2550 Irving is a source of tetrachloroethylene or whether it exists at 2550 Irving. W what is your statement today? It is not a source of tetrachloroethylene. Is it present at 2550 Irving? In concentrations which are below the screening levels allowed. Okay, so, so it exists. Okay. It exists. Great. And, and I, uh, Dave Gronad is on the line. If, Dave, if I'm misspeaking, please, uh, 
Please yeah. uh, go ahead. He's the environmental consultant. He's expert. Yeah, I apologize for not being there. I'm a little under the weather. <laughs> but um, yes, I, our, our investigations have shown that our site is not the source of PCE and that you know our property is similarly impacted as some of the other properties in the in in the neighborhood and we have worked extensively with the dtsc following normal procedures to come up with a mitigation plan in order to build a safe building for the future residents okay thank you and can you then describe in a little bit more detail what's your resistance of doing the approach that msna has asked for the, the resistance is that what they're asking for is not warranted based on the information that's there. So they're asking us to clean up something that doesn't exist on our property. So by cleaning up our property, and I, I know the DTSC had mentioned this um, during some of their previous testimony during the previous appeal, you clean it up, it might look good for a little bit, but once you're done, it's just going to get recontaminated because you haven't actually identified the source of where the material is coming from. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. I don't see any further questions, so you can be seated. We'll now hear from the Planning Department. Good evening, Commissioners, President Swig, Vice President Lopez. Um, as we stated in our memo, we don't believe that there is new information or new evidence that would warrant a rehearing in this case. As you well know, this project was entitled under SB 35. It is extremely consistent with our recently adopted housing element uh, contributes to the requirement that we build or, or the goal that we build 46,000 units of affordable housing. We're focused on neighborhood commercial corridors adjacent to transit in areas of the city like this that have seen little to no affordable housing built in the last decade. Um, we think it's appropriate that the neighbors raise concerns uh, with soil conditions and environmental concerns in their neighborhood. We just don't believe this per permit or acting on this permit as a vehicle for addressing those concerns is the appropriate way to look at those concerns. Um, approval of this permit does not stop the city's work uh, in this neighborhood around these issues. DTSC will continue to be engaged. DPH will continue to be engaged. The Board of Supervisors, uh, Commissioner Lopez, as you said, can call hearings, can legislate uh, appropriately if they need to. The state can get involved. Our health experts at the Department of Public Health could call hearings if they wanted to. This does not preclude the city from continuing to work with DTSC to address the concerns of the neighborhood. So we think it's appropriate um, that you move forward and deny this request and allow this uh, critical uh, housing project to move forward. Thank you. Thank you. We do have a question from President Swig. Uh, Mr. Ellis, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Was, so, I saw that you were here last time. I was sorry to, to miss you. I mean, the Good big, to see the, you. The, the big boss here. So this is a site permit, right? Yes. Right. This is not a building permit, right? I think it's both. I think it's both the building permit and the site permit. Well, there was a demo permit. This is the site permit. Right. The demo permit was before. And then we have a... And then we have a, 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 a site permit... A, a, sorry, site. a construction permit... Right. To and move forward, that, that, is, that will be a third that. phase. Uh, and, you know, my gut feel is having seen this process go forth again, it, um, that's another, it's another bite of the apple, so to speak, for any, uh, for, do we have another, another bite of the apple or not? 
That's what I'm trying to establish. I mean, there are subsequent permits, but I don't believe they're appealable to this body. Yeah. This is the site permit. There will be an addenda schedule, and the addendas must be issued um, before construction can start. But th those are not appealable. So the so th this automatically becomes the const uh, the construction permit. Uh, once the uh, construction addenda are approved, so no no action has been taken on approving those addendas since this permit okay. was suspended. Okay. So this is the this is basically the last bite of the apple. Uh, correct. Okay. Great. Um, and so, I, think, I just clarify for this commission again if there are issues around the conditions of the soil in the neighborhood I believe there are there are many additional bites at the office yeah, that, to address those concerns that, that, what I'm trying to stay focused here or is there's no there's no doubt because we have seen we've seen this item twice uh, we saw it in demolition we're now seeing it in sight right uh, and we are all very clear and and I, I think I commented uh, during the demolition period of my sensitivity um, about cancer-causing materials and soil, and that it's our job up here to be uh, sensitive to that a lot, and not just pass something uh, knowing that that uh, folks are going to get uh, sick as a result of our actions. So we're, I, I can't remember my exact words, but basically that's the, the, the spirit of it. At the same time, we have to stay very focused on the fact that this is a, a, a building permit. This allows them to, uh, to build. Um, and uh, so the, the, to me, the manifest injustice, I'm trying to sort out whether this manifest injustice is a regional issue, that means it goes well beyond this uh, this site, or it applies it applies here because there there for me there have been two fair hearings, and uh, also if there is any new inform information, and um, so does this you're the head of planning, uh, you're supposed to protect the the citizens of the city of San Francisco. Um, do you see anything that does not comply to uh, the issuance of a building permit? That's really the key thing. And where do you see any new evidence, and there was impassioned uh, testimony earlier that would indicate anything that the planning department should reconsider in the issuance of this building permit. And then probably the last I item which should, uh, which would for me kind of build on the manifest injustice piece, although I'm not convinced yet, um, is there anything that in moving forward with this, if we were to find manifest injustice uh, and still would allow this building permit, that we should require as a term and condition associated with the issuance of this building permit? Yeah, I think to your last question, the broader cleanup issues, the broader issues of identifying the, the, the source of these environmental concerns and addressing them is ongoing. And irrelevant of you issuing, a, a allowing this permit to move forward, that's going to continue to happen. 
And I think you've heard from the experts, we've heard from the experts that we rely on a DTSC and DPH, that moving forward with this permit does not impede that ability. It actually helps in some cases, whether it's identify issues in the soil, start to clean them up if need be, um, that, that this does not impede DTSCs or the city's ability to, to resolve any issues that are identified, that those continue. Right, and so we heard this last time, we heard this the time before during the demo, uh, demo um, hearing uh, or appeal. Uh, is So is there any new information that changes planning's opinion on whether this, no. this, this permit should be issued or should be con continued in, in good standing? No, I mean, we, we went through the appellate's brief, you did. I don't believe there's any new information, even the information they presented today was just rehashing uh, the information that the appellant presented previously. And in your view, is there, where is the manifest injustice in letting DTSC speak longer than, than others, again, as a result of a commissioner's questions and answers, or is there anything that was prevented from uh, being heard uh, as part of regular testimony in the last hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think President Swig, you hit it on the head, you know, that you asked questions or the, the commissioners asked questions of DTSC, just like you may ask questions of me, you may ask questions of DBI, um, but we each are given three minutes. We each are given the same amount of ability to, to present you with evidence in the in the brief. So it's the way this hearing this hearing works. So no, we don't see any additional uh, evidence in 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 belief still that this project should be able to move forward uh, to meet our housing goals and the issues that the neighbors have concerns about will continue to be addressed uh, through DTSC and DPH. Okay, thank you very much, Commissioner Trezvina. Uh Thank you, President Swig. I'd like to follow up on one of your responses to President Swig. Did I understand you to say that the approval of this permit would enhance your ability to, uh, to clean up the neighborhood? You know, I think you should address, that's probably better addressed by DTSC, but that's what I heard in prior, prior hearings that the work they're doing uh, in relationship to this project will help them identify, perhaps identify what the source is or where the, if this is a source or not. So I believe it's a better question, again, addressed but, to the experts. So, so you, don't, you don't know it yourself? You're, you're, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm repeating great. what I heard okay, from DTSC. Great, great. And, and just so, and maybe you want to defer to DTSC, sure. in, in DTSC's brief, as I, as I said earlier, they say that it's committed to ensuring that all residents of the new development and surrounding neighborhoods remain safe. Remain meaning they are currently safe. Does, is that the planning department's position that the neighbors are clearly currently safe? DT, clearly DTSC is working in this neighborhood around the issues that neighbors identified, not just real in relationship to this project, but broadly in this neighborhood. So they will continue, I think they've, they've testified that they will continue to do that work. Uh, President Swick, I think one of the reasons why the the government witnesses got more time is because they weren't answering our questions. I, I, I asked, do you believe that the neighbors are are currently safe? That's I, uh, yeah, I followed I followed the advice of DTSC. So the answer is yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I don't. 
President Swig, anything further? Thank okay, you. no further questions, thank you. And so we will now hear from DBI. You have one minute. Uh, DBI did cede some time to DPH. Welcome, Mr. Green. Uh, good evening, President Swig, Vice President Lopez, Commissioners. Uh, Matthew Green representing the Department of Building Inspection tomorrow. I will be brief since I yielded most of my time. Uh, DBI believes that this project was reviewed properly by all the relevant city agencies and issued correctly. Uh, regardless of the nature of the project, uh, affordable housing in this case, it was approved properly and the permit was issued properly. Uh, DB DBI believes that there is no manifest injustice due to the result of the previous hearing, nor has any new relevant information come to light. 30 seconds. Oh, for, for this reason, DBI urges the board to deny the rehearing request and allow the suspension of the site permit to be lifted so that the further review can take place. Um, I'm available for any questions you may have. Thank you. I don't see any questions. Okay. Thank you. you can be seated. Thank you. We will now hear from DTSC. Mr. Shaw is here to represent DTSC, and you have three minutes. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to provide a briefing to the Board of Appeals as you consider the appellant's request for a rehearing for their appeal of the building permit for 2550 Irving Street. DTSC has previously testified that the 2550 Irving Street site is not a significant source of PCE to the surrounding community. Risks to the neighboring residents to the north of the site are low to insignificant, that is, within the state and federal risk management range. Out of abundance of caution and a response to the community concerns, DTSC recommended follow-up soil vapor sampling and focused indoor air sampling in the area off-site area north of 2550 Irving Street. Regarding 2550 Irving Street and the building permit that is the subject of this hearing, DTSC approved a response plan for the planned affordable housing development that included a vapor mitigation system, or VIMS. The VIMS will protect the resident of the planned housing, residents of the planned housing with an engineered sub-slab ventilation system for any potential vapor movement from below the ground. The VIMS is an effective remedy that is commonly, commonly used to keep people safe. The planned development will not prevent investigation and remediation as appropriate to address PCE. DTSC has provided written brief written a uh, written brief addressing the grounds for a rehearing the appellant's brief in support of the rehearing request asserts that there was an imbalance of time allotted for their testimony dt observes that equal time was allowed for their presentations during the hearing and any imbalance in time was due to the number of questions dtsc faced from the board in addition the appellant's brief in support of the rehearing request implies that new information has come to light in the form of an indoor air report, which DTC finalized and posted publicly shortly before the appeal hearing. In fact, the data in the report was reviewed by MSNA representatives months before the hearing and was covered in their appeal brief and the hearing itself. The indoor air report should not affect the issuance of the permit. This is because, as DTSC has previously testified, there is no primary source of PCE 2550 Irving Street site, and the planned development on the site will not prevent investigation and remediation as appropriate to address PCE. 
DTC will continue to oversee investigation and remediation as appropriate for areas of 2550 Irving Street block where higher soil vapor concentrations were detected. Thank you, and I'm available for to address any questions to us before the board. Thank you. President Zwick has a question. So the elephant in the room seems to be that the DTSC is, uh, uh, the manifest injustice here is that the DC, DC, DTSC has consciously and, and purposely um, not cooperated with and providing uh, requested information and transparency to the appellant. Uh, there were some pretty strong words used with regard to the behavior of the DTSC in their, uh, with the implication that the manifest injustice was caused by a, a purposeful effort by the DTSC to cover up and not provide information to the, to the appellant, to the public, and, uh, and to all interested parties in this. Pretty strong stuff, right? And I, that's why I call it the elephant in the room. Now, we asked, I believe, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the demolition hearing, that the DTSC cooperate and make themselves available to the public. So, um, and they claim not. That's another part of the manifest injustice claim. So, I would like you, would you please comment, because I have to ask a question, would you please respond to these pretty strong charges and, uh, and these pretty strong statements about a cover-up, non-cooperation, uh, non and general unprofessional behavior. In, in my, that's my view. So I'm not accusing you of it. I'm just saying that's what I heard. So I think it's kind of really important for this commission and the public to hear your response to such strong charges. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you, President Swig. <clears throat> On March 20th of 2023, earlier this year, um, our upper management, Nalene and, uh, and Todd Sachs, did meet with the MSNA, and they had communicated their concerns about this site. We had committed in that, uh, DTSC had committed in that hearing that we would uh, conduct and characterize deep subsurface investigation below the former dry cleaner. We committed to doing that. And so as a result of that meeting, we did commit to conducting additional investigation. And that's what this additional investigation that we did, uh, or not we did, we oversaw, TNDC did over the summer. And so if, uh, if anything, we, that, that was a uh, result of communication with MSNA. Um, there was several emails. Um, we also received in addition to that from Don Moore, Paul Hoseman, and, um, and in fact, in, on May 9th, Todd Sachs had met with Lenny Siegel as well. So um, we were in communication with MSNA. We did commit to considering M uh, MSNA's request but, um, uh, for this additional investigation. So I think we uh, did fulfill that request. 
And most importantly, uh, the, the charge is that um, DTSC didn't, didn't fully uh, investigate a proper cleanup of the site. We all know that, I mean, we all know based on testimony that the whole region is contaminated. We, we, I think everybody's finally come to the comfort level that this site is not the source of the contamination, but rather um, a, a victim of another source of the contamination. And there, there will always be risk of shifting sands, literally, because it's built on sand. Uh, but but there is the, the the manifest injustice seems to be that the full story about DTSC's oversight and implementation of a of a proper cleanup um, didn't didn't exist in a, and there and covered it up. Would you again respond to to that? Yeah, um, that's false. Uh, we. Uh, this um, oversight uh, we did of this additional investigation uh, was, well, first of all, we had already adi um, adequately characterized the site. Our standard guidance is to have a soil vapor sampling density of one in every 10,000 square feet. The soil vapor density sampling we did, or that 2550 parcel or we, uh, that they completed, was one in 1,300 square feet, well over the standard guidance. Um, this additional investigation, so we had already adequately characterized that. The question um, that we had committed to in that hearing was that we would conduct deeper soul, uh, deeper, uh, and a deeper investigation of that site. What we uh, did was a different technology that MSNA uh, would have preferred, but we did conduct uh, the deeper investigation, uh, it's this technology called Membrane Interface Probe, or MIP, anyways. Uh, so they, well, TNDC had committed, had done that, and yeah, uh, we, uh, we weren't trying to cover up anything. If anything, that this technology, if it's used to find a source. Which we didn't find. So your 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 issue is that they preferred one method, you preferred another method. You believe in that your method of of, of investigating and cleanup uh, was adequate, even though they didn't they they don't agree with that. Is that kind of your position? Correct. Okay. Commissioner Lopez. Thank you, President Swig, and thank you, Mr. Shaw, uh, for being with us. Um, just to to pull on that that thread that the president swig was exposing there um, there's there's testimony that um, we're essentially being duped because the DTSC is not being consistent in this site vis-a-vis uh, -vis its guidelines vis-a-vis -vis standards and methods applied at other sites um, we heard uh, with the, and I appreciate that, um, I don't think that this point was included in uh, the appellant's brief, but it was uh, displayed during their testimony, this, the, the, the slide that you saw with some of the green highlighted language pointing to, among other things, uh, the use of, of averaging, of sampling here, even with a very small sample size, it may not be statistically significant. 
Um, maybe on that point, since it, you may have just been exposed to it this evening, uh, we don't have to drill down on that specifically, but, but if you could at least generally speak to the allegations of inconsistencies, again, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the agency's guidelines and vis-a-vis -vis, uh, standards and methods uh, applied in similar, similarly situated sites. Absolutely. Um, actually, I have. I would like to defer that question to our branch chief for DTSC, who's on the Zoom line, uh, Hortensia. If you could please come on and uh, um, answer yes, this question. Yes, I'm on the line. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome. Good evening. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I want to reaffirm that yes, we do follow our guidance. Um, the statement that we're not following our guidance is not true. Um, DTSC does publish guidance documents, um, and we do um, recognize that they are not prescriptive. They do allow for case-by-case -case determinations. Um, and if you look into the guidance, um, for example, page 50 of the document itself um, does cite that uh, decisions are based on the results of site-wide investigation and characterization of risk and the technologies available to achieve those goals. Um, yes, there is soil vapor contamination at 25, uh, 2550. However, the source has not been confirmed. Um, one of the recommendations that MSNA has repeatedly asked is that we install a soil vapor extraction system. Those systems can be expensive, particularly when you don't have a um, critical mass to treat. You, as uh, one of the um, members have previously testified, um, you will originally at the, at the beginning find that you address the soil vapor, find that it's cleaned up, and then shortly after find that it's recontaminated because you're not actually treating the source. Um, yes, we, we agree with others. Uh, it's Lenny that testified that we prefer active remediation, and we normally would. However, there is no um, it, it's not certain, it's not a, an alternative that is prudent at this time, just because of the capital costs associated with it. And we don't know for certain that this is where the source is. And everything that we've collected to date points to that it's not, the 2550 is not the source. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Trisvino? Uh, thank you. Just, just to follow up uh, on on your branch chief's uh, response, uh, which I would direct to her. Uh, at the previous, one of the previous hearings, it was stated that the, while people were talking about doing soil vapor extraction uh, after February, the process that DTSE undertook was more expensive than uh, soil vapor extraction. Uh, it seems now you're saying it, soil vapor extraction is too expensive. Can you clarify uh, I, which I don't the resources the, that the we put into details. this? I, I'm, I apologize. Um, I don't remember the exact details of that testimony, but yes, uh, that we did employ uh, um, an alternative to characterize the site. At the time when we did the further characterization uh, using MIT, it was to identify a source. Um, so the characterization that was being asked of us was different than this. It was not necessarily to install the soil vapor extraction at that time, or at least I, I don't believe so. Um, it just would have, been, would have not been a good option to do at that time. Okay, 
Thank you. We didn't know where the source was. Um, and, you know, you need to know where the contamination so that you can know where to install your wells. Okay. And, and your colleague in the room stated that, in answer to President Swig, that the MSNA wanted one approach and you and your judgment decided on another approach. Uh, at the same time, Ms. Cowbell testified or, or, or was, was quoted earlier as saying, um, I can say it is high, high priority for us to satisfy the concerns of the community. They're concerned about their health. That is a priority for us. I'm wondering what the, if, if you know, what the thinking went into not undertake the approach that the community sought, since you were interested in, in uh, satisfying the concerns of the community and going in another direction. Can you, can, can you just state with clarity what the benefits are of do, doing what you did rather than what the community wanted? So I don't know the context in which uh, uh, the di uh, division chief Koval said that made that statement. So it's difficult for me to understand why she, what was, um, you know, what prompted that response. However, at least uh, since I've been on the project, it's been made clear to me that one of the concerns is soil vapor intrusion into the neighboring communities, uh, or the, res the residents in the neighboring um, neighboring right next to 2550. I, believe, I thought that that was it. And the other one was to go ahead and start remediating it or, or um, start extracting the soil vapor. Um, and so with that said, I would assume that it would also be that we need to identify the source if we don't know where the source is. Um, so that's what, what I would understand. I don't know in what, as I said, in what context she mentions, she stated that. Well, I, I, I wasn't asking you to, to explain her statement, uh, but I wanted to get a sense as to the approach that you all took after February, why this approach was better than the other approach. So I, I think you've given me your best answer. So thank you. Thank you. I don't see any further questions, so you can be seated. We will now hear from the Department of Public Health. Thank you. And DPH is taking two minutes of the time from DBI. Welcome, Mr. Casey. Good evening. My name is Ryan Casey. I work within the San Francisco Department of Public Health as the Site Assessment and Mitigation, or MAHER, program caseworker for the proposed development at 2550 Irving. The MAHER program's authority is derived from San Francisco Health Code's Articles 22A and 22B. The MAHER ordinance requires SFDPH oversight for the characterization and mitigation of hazardous substances found in soil, soil vapor, and groundwater for projects located within specific areas of the city and county of San Francisco. During the hearing of appeal number 23034 on August 16th, I reviewed uh, how the applicant is in compliance with the MAHER program and may proceed with the proposed development. I also stated that our program through, through review of the documents submitted to date and approval of the health station on the site permit had determined that the applicant had met all requirements to protect public health and safety. Since that hearing, no new or different material facts or circumstances have arisen in this case that have changed this determination that the applicant has met all applicable site permit requirements. 
Based on our review of the information, the new sampling data collected by DTSC does not change DPH's original determination that all data continue to indicate one, conformance with MAHER program requirements, and two, continued protection of on-site workers and the neighboring community. 30 it's, seconds. It's DPH's understanding that investigations of PCE impacts to the subsurface in the area are ongoing under a separate voluntary cleanup case, which may act independently from the construction of the proposed development at 2550 Irving Street. I'm available, I'm available for questions, as is my program manager, Veronica Slattengren, on Zoom. Thanks. Thank you. We have a question from President Swig. So you get the real tough question, which was a question that was asked during the, the first hearing. Um, and, and, and that is, you just testified that everything is cool, right? All right. Uh, is it, and, and there's an issue of manifest injustice here. It's not, it, there's no new information. We've heard it, I think we've heard it all before. Mm -hmm. um, although uh, the, the appellant would probably beg to differ with me based on their testimony tonight. But uh, the, the, the real tough question is, okay, you just reported everything is cool. Now your aunt is about to live in that building. Do you want your aunt to live in that building? Are you comfortable that your aunt is gonna be safe in living in that building or your first cousin or your brother's sister or, or what, you know what I'm saying, a close relative, in, best friend? So is, 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 is there, mani the manifest injustice here would be, and this is my view, to the, the appellant of what is manifest injustice. It's to the residents of those folks who may live in that building. That's where the manifest injustice is. So is there manifest injustice based on, based on the, the testimony that was not offered, based on the, the previous process? Is there manifest injustice to those persons who will be ultimately affected in the, in the issuance of a permit and the development of this building based on a health risk. So uh, are you referring to someone that I know living in the, the planned development or in, the, in a neighboring building? Yeah, you're, you're, uh, just go in your mind's eye yeah. and say, my dearest relative, my dearest friend is gonna live in that building. And is there a manifest injustice created as a result of the previous hearing to that person because that person really is the result of us issuing, uh, approving a, a site permit and letting it go forward, right? Because they're gonna be living there as a result of this building going up. Mm -hmm. So think of it in those terms and then comment on what you just tes testified them on. I told I you it's a tough question, man. It is a tough question. Uh, I would say no, based on my past experience in environmental consulting, my, experiencing, my experience reviewing this data, uh, my discussions with DTSC, my experience on other similar cases that are MAHER program specific. Uh, in this case, you know, we have our MAHER program uh, element and DTSC has their DTSC element and we're not crossing the boundaries there. We're reviewing what they're doing and staying apprised. Uh, I would say no manifest injustice. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. I don't see any further questions, so you can be seated. Thank you. We are now moving on to public comment. So is there anyone in the room who would like to provide public comment? If you do, please line up against the wall, and if the pers first person can approach, and after you're done speaking, please give a speaker card to Alec Longaway.
And then we'll move to the people who want to speak on Zoom after we cover three minutes, yes. Okay, who, who's, will someone please come up to the microphone? Thank you. And after you're done, if you could fill out a speaker card, that would be great. Yeah. I have to put you. my glasses on too. This hearing is not to relitigate the science. It's whether the last hearing itself was a level playing field, and if left unchallenged, people, not just my neighbors, but more importantly, the 100 families in that building will be harmed. And yes, some of the data was not new, but the question was if there was new evidence. And it's not just that there was not new data, but there were new interpretations and presentations, and they didn't follow their own guidance in presenting that data to you. So that, to me, is the manifest injustice of that's the misleading that happened here, is there are facts, and there are guidances on how you present those facts, and they didn't follow their own guidances about how to present those facts. So to me, that's the manifest injustice. The other interesting question that you raised, and I actually thought about this this morning, was the limits or constraints that could possibly be put on a permit. And I know that in terms of SB 35, we're not asking for anything different than what we'd ask of the other parcels that are also in this plume. For example, the market rate parcel across the street is just as much in this plume as this one is. And making the permit contingent, I'm thinking back to the first hearing we sat in here where we talked about trees and the possibility of is there any kind of accountability that could be placed on issuing this permit, reporting back. Because so far, DTSC hasn't proven themselves to be a reliable partner to us in sharing data with us and sharing and collaborating with us on cleaning up this project. And that's what I'd really like to see here. I don't want to see this building not built. I just want to see it built safely. And when they say 2550 is not a source, again, they're misleading you. They're not following their own guidance. I forget which point it is on that slide that calls it out. But you don't have to have it be a primary source to do the proper remediation that we're asking for. And then as far as the cost spent on litigate, the cost to do the right thing. We've said this two years ago. We didn't want to go this far in litigating this. We would have far rather seen them spend the money that they've spent on litigation in doing the right thing two years ago. It's not my fault they chose the wrong path. It's your job to hold them accountable to it. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Thank you. Kathleen Kelly, in support of the appellant. Um, respectfully, we're not asking you to call balls and strikes on science. We're asking to have the apples to apples testing requested by you and the neighbors in February. Why wasn't that done? There was no collaboration with the neighborhood. That's why it wasn't done. And there's no other court where we can take this. There's no line between this permit and the ability to clean this up because they're inextricably linked to vote no is to accept and approve contamination on the site and turn your back on public health. DTSC will not step up and do more. We wish they could, but they won't. And the testing that they did do 
why was that more money and why didn't they just do the apples to apples? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Mike Knorr. I've been to a couple of these hearings and listening to it, and just as somebody who lives in the city and out in that neighborhood, what it feels like to me is there's just quibbling over technicalities here, and it's if there is an issue in the area, there should be further testing. Whoever did the testing at the site, if they went down 90 feet, why didn't they go out in the street where they assume maybe the issue is, where the pipes are, where the fluids would have gone? Why aren't we taking the extra step to actually go 90 feet down there? Because if there's a problem there, those fumes are going to go and waft into this property. So you can have equipment to vaporize and suck things up, but if it's going up six, seven floors, other people are going to be affected based on how many people have died in that neighborhood. Second, when I left the last meeting, I thought, okay, so we know there's a problem with dry cleanings. The, in 1990, the EPA uh, started regulating dry cleaners. They started changing and modifying the amendments for the Clean Air Act because of it. If that's going on, why aren't we just saying no more dry cleaners in the city that aren't eco-friendly? create eco-friendly places in the city so our clothes get cleaned in a proper way. And if some people want their clothes done the old way, ship it off out in the country somewhere where it's not right in the population where everybody's getting affected by it. And these fumes are going down and they're getting into our groundwater and affecting a lot of other things. So it just feels to me, let's find where the source is, let's clean it up, and then let's build it. Instead of in 10 years, we're getting sued by a bunch of people who are getting cancer and we're having to tear seconds. down a building that we're going to spend $100 million on. Let's do it right the first time. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good evening, Commissioners. Jake Price on behalf of the Housing Action Coalition. I want to um, address the question of why certain testing wasn't done um, to, by asking a question of whose testing methodology do I trust? Do I trust the state agency that is tasked with coming up with test, testing methodologies such as this? Or do I trust a neighborhood group that has blocked and tried to stall this housing project at every step of the way through litigation around heightened bulk, through objections to the financing from the city, and now this. Let's listen to the experts and stop this abusive process now because this is all to block affordable housing and we know it, it's clear as day, and we need to move on. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Thomas Soper, and I'm here in support of the appellant. I'm a licensed architect and worked on very complicated projects like this in my experience. And I must say that I've never met a regulatory agency that I didn't like, except for DTSC. This is a, a unique problem, and the site itself is contaminated, and a lot of distortion has been push forward to this commission to consider. For example, the source that they're saying doesn't exist, they're referring to the primary source. They're not talking about the secondary source. We learned a lot about that last August 16th, and the experts testified that secondary source is just as bad, and this is what we're trying to get rid of. The second thing is that 
the permit holder's attorney mentioned that uh, that that the the uh, appellant doesn't have a problem with the VIM system. Well, the VIM system, according with the guidance regulations of DTSC, is an interim solution. It's not a permanent solution. From an architect's perspective, I think of these buildings as being there 100 years and an interim solution below a concrete slab that's about two feet thick, that's pierced by drilled piers, is that going to be a suitable solution for the future residents? And I also think of my friend at Nomad Cyclery that died of blood cancer. Blood cancer is a cancer that is directly related to PCE. When you look at the cancer cluster map, has DTSC ever asked the question, have you had any cancer cases in this neighborhood? I've never heard that before. I recommend highly and I urge you to approve a rehearing for this appeal. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else in the room who would like to provide public comment? Okay, we will move to Zoom. We'll hear from Tomasita Medal. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Um, I am also in support of the appellant because I'm. this is a, a low-income housing project, and I cannot forget that uh, what happened at uh, Hunter's Point and what happened at Treasures Island. Both of those uh, neighborhoods were um, slated for low-income construction, and uh, buildings were built, and then just so happens that the low-income housing is where um, the, the land does not get cleaned up, and uh, so this looks to me like, once again, um, discrimination on the basis of class and income against those people who need affordable housing, that they don't deserve to have the land completely cleaned up before the construction is done. And so I ask you to remember that. We all know. We know what happened at Hunter's Point. It still hasn't even been cleaned up. And the people are just suffering from cancer. And the same thing with Treasure Island. The, the, uh, the tenants over there are sick. And so please, uh, I, I grant this appeal and have a thorough um, hearing on this and uh, and make the people uh, clean it up in a safe way before the construction is done. And I do agree with the person who said, look, look at the pipes, because an excuse being given is that you don't know what the source is, but that's no excuse if there's, an issue, there's a problem that needs to be cleaned up safely before the construction. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now hear from Renee Lazier. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, you know, everybody, I agree with everyone that's uh, said the comments for the appellant. I'm supportive of the appellant. This is just, it's a travesty. Uh, so this is a waste of money, a waste of time on so many different people's parts because the DTSD, the developer, the contractor, the owner could have done the right thing from the very beginning. And I appreciate President Swig's comment about would you want your beloved dear ones to live in this building? And I think the answer should have been, no, I wouldn't want it because it is a hazard. It's really a very good thing that we are not implying or not not implied, but we still go by Hammurabi's law. Because if this happens where people down the road have cancer and are dying because they didn't do the right thing when they could have, you know, they should be held responsible for this. But they won't be because they're just saying they're right and they're wrong. And so I'm sorry to take up your time, but I am in support of the appellate and remediating this and giving this a rehearing. Thank you for your time. Thank you. 
We'll now hear from the phone number ending in 2801. Please go ahead. You may need to press, yes. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can, thank you. Yes, hi, this is Joan Barkan. I live in the neighborhood and I support the appeal as you could well imagine, but I just wanna be have my neighbors and myself protected. I know so many people in the neighborhood who have had cancer and why don't they wanna clean it up and find the source? That's it, thank you. Thank you. Adam Michaels, please go ahead. Hi, um, good evening. It's not the person in the new building who you should be most worried about. The vapor barrier will protect those people. It's the people in the neighboring buildings like me who don't have any mitigation system. There's no vapor barrier. And the last time they tested, uh, they found four times the level of PCEs that the screening level uh, detects. And I, I looked up on US legal manifest injustice and it just means something that's obviously unfair. And when I listened to the hearing last time, I immediately came to the conclusion that it was unfair because there was so much time given to Whit Smith to talk. And yet he may have been asked more questions, but that's still unfair if Don Moore and Lenny Siegel don't also have a chance to give their side. Um, and I think as Commissioner Transvenia said, too much deference is given to Whit Smith. Every government official who comes up just says, I believe what, what the expert said. Um, and nobody really knows the sites better than Don Moore, who said that DTSC is pulling a fast one by using the wrong test. I mean, the DTSC branch chief said that the systems can be expensive uh, just because of the cost, she said. Well, if the costs are so important, why did they do a more expensive test than the one MSNA requested? And Commissioner Transfina asked that of the branch chief, and she couldn't answer it. This has been going on for years that they keep talking and talking, but they obfuscate, they mislead, they don't answer questions. And somehow they convinced some of you that 2550 is not a source. I don't think they actually proved that at all. Um, and they didn't work with MSNA as you requested. They don't respond to letters. They say, we'll get back to, and then they don't. Um, and the levels found at 2550 were so high originally that they had to evacuate the upstairs of the police credit union um, because it was unsafe for human commercial use, let alone residential use. Um, so I would just ask you, I appreciate that this board is so sharp that they see through the, the BS. And I just think Whit Smith may be going rogue. He, I don't know why he doesn't want to clean up the site, but he, he's- 30 seconds. To us. So yeah, please don't pass the buck because we have nowhere else to go. And this is really important. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now hear from Robert Fruchtman. Please go ahead. Robert Fruchtman. Okay, it looks like he disappeared. Richard Chewy, please go ahead. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Oh, hi, you can hear me, thank you. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, my name is Richard. I live way close to 2550 Ernest Street. I strongly support the Italian MSNA for rehearing to have the PC remediation at 2550 and surrounding neighborhood. My mother-in-law was one of those listed in the cancer base map 
I'm not sure they have shown to you during the hearing, but that map shows that many people, about more than 50, radiate from the 2550 Irving and possibly died due to cancer or having cancer right now. As a healthcare profession and a blood bank specialist, I urge the commissioner to pay attention to the cancer map if you get a chance to view it. Research by MSNA that shows many nearby residents with cancers, rheological disorder, or deaths due to cancer radiated from that site. It is not just a coincidence, while PC is not ruled out as a cause of the cancer or deaths. Please do not allow shortcut for the construction over the health care of future residents as well as the surrounding residents. Please do the right thing. SB 35 should not be the excuse to sweep health care issue under the rock. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Jessica Perla, please go ahead. Uh, Jessica Perla, you need to unmute yourself. She lowered her hand. Okay, she put her hand down. Robert Fruchtman, please go ahead. Yes, go ahead, please. You've unmuted yourself, but we can't hear you. Do you want to try calling in? Uh, we can't hear you. Maybe we should go to the next one. Pardon? Go to the next caller and come back. Okay. Well, he, we've tried twice with him. Mr. Fruckman, why don't you try calling us by phone, 1-669-900-6833, and enter the webinar ID 848-3864-2804, and it's on our agenda. We will now go to the phone number ending in 8640. Please go ahead. Eight six four zero. Go ahead, uh, please. Yeah, well, my name is John. I live in the neighborhood. Uh, I do support the rehearing uh, because of a number of reasons. One of the important reasons to me is uh, the absence of President Twig at the last hearing. Uh, that although I, he had a chance to review the material that was covered, we were lacking his incisive questions. And I have a feeling that perhaps the commentary in that hearing would have been more balanced. Uh, if he had been there and the opportunity for him to ask those questions is something that he didn't have at this last hearing and he would in a, a rehearing. Um, also, basically, the imbalance in the, in the testimony at that hearing, I was there and I spoke then, uh, as I did in the previous one, in the public comments, um, was simply that the kind of presentation the DTSC uh, came up with and their multiple incomprehensible slides were de designed to obfuscate, I believe, and I understand the commissioners asking questions based on that because they created all kinds of confusion, which I think was their intent. Um, and I think that simply the injustice part of this was that there was no balance. There was no chance to rebuttal. There was no uh, opportunity for our experts to have a chance to question what DTSC's inconsistencies in presentation was. Um, and the other thing is I think that although it was discussed in the previous hearing, that probably this is the sort of larger issue that should not be subject to the Board of Permit Appeals, but it's 
the court of last resort. We don't have anybody else to go to but you to rectify this injustice, but even just to give an opportunity for equity in presentation of both sides of the question. Uh, and so once again, I support uh, a rehearing of the appeal. Thank you. Thank you. Robert Fruchtman, we'll try you again. You need to unmute yourself. Uh, hi, can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, thank you so much. I apologize for the, uh, the technical issues. Uh, yes, my name is Robert Fruchtman, um, and I, uh, I, I ask that the board rejects the rehearing request. This is uh, an abuse of San Francisco's appeals process, and I think the you know Jake Price was right when he says that the the appellants have uh, closed this project at every step of the way, and they will continue to pose the project with every opportunity given. If you give a mouse a cookie, they will ask for a cake. And here we're seeing that. It's not a surprise that when San Francisco allows for endless post-entitlement appeals, that appellants who oppose the project will continue to use them and establish whatever pretext to use them. Uh, it's not a surprise that um, the state of California's legislature is now going to take away San Francisco's ability to abuse post-impilement permits starting next year. Uh, there's, as this project well illustrates, this process just adds costs to projects. And this is especially deadly to affordable housing projects where financing is extremely complex and limited. I advise you to reject the appeal and to listen to uh, the experts from the state and the city's Department of Health. Uh, thank you. Thank you. There's someone named Staff. Are you here to provide public comment? Staff? Yes, I am. Sorry about that. Uh, my name is Rafa Sonnenfeld. Um, I just wanted to call in uh, and encourage the this board to reject the uh, rehearing request. Um, I would also like to associate myself with the prior caller, Robert Fruckman's comments. I think those are very apt. Um, I just uh, want to remind the board that uh, uh, what we've heard tonight, there is uh, no new evidence that's being presented. Uh, and the uh, the justice issue that was raised by, by the rehearing requesters uh, is one of the you know outcome of this decision or of the previous decision that was already made. Um, and uh, that would be an injustice itself if if simply the process of the Board of Appeals is is questioned, which that seems to be the only the only question that they're having here. Um, I encourage the city and the neighbors to continue to investigate the source of the contamination, and you know that doesn't uh, that will actually be helped by this project moving forward. So, uh, folks should should actually be be welcoming this project for all of the affordable reasons, uh, but also just because it will help the investigation go forward to make the community a safer place. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica Perla. Please go ahead. You need to unmute yourself. 
Just... Yes, we can. Hi, uh, my name is Beth Delcola. I want to say that I can thank you for doing You know what? You're a little unclear. Do you have two devices? Are you on the phone and the computer? or? I'm on the phone. Okay, there's some a lot of background noise. Or, yeah, do you have your computer going at the same time? No, no, my computer is pulled off. Okay. I guess there's a lot of background noise. I just hear a lot of interference, but we'll do our best to hear what you have to say. I don't, it could be because of my microphone. I'm not sure. Can you go into a quiet room? Uh, let me see if I can. It could be one of my Okay, please go ahead. We'll do our best. Um, can you hear me now? Yes. Um, I just wanted to call because I want you guys to respect the, the response of Bruno McGillings. And you guys already debated about this um, last time, and I made a comment that time as well. And I wanted to just say that, um, that you guys should even ha be having this appeal at all in the fourth place. Um, and that is it. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. I see a hand raised by Flo Kimmerling, but she's an agent for the appellant, but I also notice there are three Flo Kimmerling. So is this someone besides Ms. Kimmerling who's raising their hand? Flo Kimmerling? We're on public comment right now, so you can't provide public comment. Okay, is there any further public comment on this item. Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any hands raised. So, commissioners, this matter is submitted. So, with your permission, commissioners, I'd like to get it started because I think it's important for you to hear from me. Had I been here, and I apologize for not being here, Family Matters kept me away, um, what I would have said. Um, I would have said that I was really upset at the DTSC for not behaving in the way that we asked them to behave. I would have said that I, I didn't appreciate the lack of cooperation and transparency from the DS, DTSC that was requested as a direct requirement, I believe, of in the first in the site permit hearing, and that is that there would be openness to the public to reasonably uh, to to reasonably to accept reasonable questions or accept questions in a reasonable uh, fashion. And I didn't get a sense that that cooperation existed. And I would have said I was upset about that. Okay, um, and that still bothers me. However, um, had. Had the hearing gone in the same direction, of course, you would never know that the hearing could go in the same direction because I wasn't involved to, to be provocative and, and, and ask questions that I might have asked. Um, I, I would not have supported a continuance. Uh, I wouldn't have supported a continuance because I thought the testimony was, was full. Um, what I would have suggested in moving forward to uh, deny the uh, to deny the appeal um, is and I would have done that uh, I would have put some terms and conditions on that to protect the public the same type of terms and conditions that I tried to put on the first time now with that I'd like to ask uh, 
question of, of Mr. Hillis to see if my terms and conditions that I would have asked for in the first hearing w w would, would be uh, reasonable because in looking at you know, the, for, for get, putting aside the new, uh, the, the new information, I'm going to put that aside because I think it's the, really the manifest injustice that we're talking about. And so, so if we were to determine tonight that there was manifest injustice, and I'm still weighing that in my own mind, and we had a, another hearing, and we heard a rehashing of the same information again, rehashing and re-smashing, uh, and we would have come to the end, and yours truly would uh, would have said, based on the same testimony, I'm not because there's no new information, um, and we would have denied the uh, denied the appeal and issued the perm uh, the permit site or the site permit with the terms and conditions related to a full cleanup and proper cleanup of the site under the supervision of, uh, of the proper authority, which would be a combination of, of DBI, the Health Department Planning, and probably DTSC. Is that a term and condition that would stand? Can we do that? I believe under SB 35 you cannot. You cannot add a term or a condition to this permit that wouldn't otherwise be applicable to other permits. Yeah, but, uh, but this is- this is where we were before when you weren't here in the in the demolition right. per permit, and, and I think at that point I suggested that indeed we would, even with an S without an SB thirty five uh, um, compliancy or need to be compliant SB thirty five, uh, if if. If we would have heard this same thing related to a house, a new apartment building that didn't fall under the SB 35 umbrella, if there was an issue related to um, a, a, a PCE, a toxic su substance, something poisoning the ground, we we would probably have said, okay, it means it meets the it meets the compliance issues related to building a new building. The problem is that there's rotten stuff under here. So yes, we will we would we will approve the we will deny the appeal, approve the permit under the condition that there be a full cleanup. So it, it would be both equal and therefore SB 35 would be satisfied because we would do it under normal circumstances. This, we're not discriminating. So I, I don't understand. We're I think that's discretionary. You're taking a discretionary action. The law is the law, right? The project sponsor has to comply with the law. It's gotta comply with the Maho ordinance. We work with DPH, DTSC to figure out what that, what that compliance is. It's whatever any other developer would have to follow. It is the law and that's what they need to do, and I think we're comfortable that they're doing it and abiding by the law. They're abiding by the Maher Ordinance, which is the city's law to ensure that, that you know, projects are built on sites that are, that are clean. And so they are following that law. I think what SB 35 says you can't do, um, or the Planning Commission or any other discretionary body uh, 
in this city is say, you've got to do something beyond the law. Or you, we're going to take a floor off this building because we think it's too tall, even though it complies with the zoning that's in place. And that's what SB 35 says. And SB 35, at least at this point, is prioritizing affordable housing projects because we're not meeting our goals, our arena goals around affordable housing. We're falling short. So it's saying it wants to expedite affordable housing and not get into discretionary processes where the Planning Commission or you or the Board of Supervisors or anybody else are adding on requirements that are beyond the law. And yep. doesn't mean the Board of Supervisors, the state, can't enact new laws that require higher levels of, of remediation or cleanup. But under the current law, they're abiding by the law. They're abiding by uh, the, the, what DTSC and the Maher Act are telling them to do. President Swig, I, Deputy City Attorney Huber would like to address your question. I, I believe what the President asked was whether the appeal could be denied but conditions could be imposed yeah. and and I just want to be clear that in order to impose any conditions on a permit the board would have to grant the appeal uh, denying a permit in conjunction Sorry, with you're, you're right you're right okay. I, I use I always make this mistake I've done it for seven eight eight ten years now my semantics are wrong but yes in, in moving the permit forward let me just get over the my mistake hump and moving the permit forward uh, as a result of doing it the proper way semantically that the, the the terms and conditions to apply is where I'm where I'm getting at and and this is this is where I get hung up on on this okay I want this project to go forward all right I see that it, it complies it's it's if if there wasn't the contamination threat in the the ground I'm not a scientist I, I don't know that, you know, I have to listen to DTSC. I have listened to both sides. But I know if it was a building being built on this site, it would be okay. It would it pass, it pass planning muster and everything would be fine. Now, take the SB 35 away. If, if this building was being placed on a site that, that was not SB 35 and, and somebody came into us and said, this is a dirty site. Meaning there's there's stuff in the we would allow the permit to move forward notice how I dodged the semantics uh, We would allow the permit to move forward and we would place a term and condition that would protect the, the protect the future occupants of the building hopefully and 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 attempt to uh, assuage uh, the the fears of the community that at least this site would be cleaned up all right and if we have an, the next hearing and we hear the same stuff over and over again, we're going to arrive, if we determine that there is manifest injustice, then we would arrive at the same point that we would have last week, I think, and, and did, in fact, uh, where Commissioner Transvenu said, well, Commissioner Swig's not here and we can't move forward without his, his vote and, 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 and thoughts. So if, if Commissioner Swig was there last week, we probably would have gotten to the, this point where the building's okay, it's the soil that sucks. Okay, that's a technical term. Um, and, and we would have placed a term and condition as we would on any building, any like situation, SB 35 or not, that we, we wanna hold somebody accountable for cleaning up the soil so it doesn't 
harm the people who are going to live in the building or in the immediate area. Forget about the region and the neighborhood and all the rest of the garbage that's going on. That's not what this permit is about. This permit is about this building, which personally I would like to see built, but not at the risk of poisoning and killing people. No, sure. And I think the problem, though, with, with that theory is there could be another site on the other side of the city that has the exact same soil conditions. They are complying with the law. Mm -hmm. They're complying with the rules and the regulations of DPH, the Maher Ordinance, and DTSC. And just because that project wasn't appealed to this body, they're of less, they're, they're, you're saying they're of more health risk than, than this site. So I think what SB 35 is saying, here's the law. Here's how DTSC and DPH should act under certain conditions in what they would require, they're requiring that. Just because someone's here appealing that and raising issues, SB 35 says you can't add additional conditions to that. The law is adequate. The law should do what the law is doing. If you believe that the underlying soil conditions in this case don't require enough work by, by DPH and DTSC, we should change the law. But that's the appropriate place to do it, not on a project-by-project project basis based on appeal. And I think that's the issue SB 35 is getting at. If you think the height limit is too tall in this neighborhood and you want to reduce a project by, by a floor, that should apply to all projects. We should reduce all projects to 40 feet instead of 65 feet, not doing them one-off because of an appeal. Okay. How do we let – me, let me recharacterize the – again, I – Personally, I said this in the first hearing. I want this. I want this building built. This is there's a housing emergency in the in the low income sector of this in the affordable sector and low income sector of this city. There's no doubt, no argument. Period. We got a few other houses that are that are built at a million dollars or or two thousand dollars a square foot that don't fit into this category that people would like to fill, and they're calling that a housing emergency. No, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the. Not the market rate, but the, the, the low-income stuff, where I do believe there is an, uh, an emergency. Therefore, the project should get built. However, you know, what is the – what is – if we went to another hearing and we determined manifest injustice and we got to the same point that was – that existed in the last hearing and the issue of accountability – the issue of accountability to make sure that the people who lived in that building and immediately next door who might be affected by the construction, how, how do we hold the project sponsor and the city uh, accountable to make sure that we're not approving harm and cancer-causing, a cancer-causing situation? Well, how I think do we, you heard how the do testimony. we do that? I think you heard the testimony from DTSC that you're not doing that um, in DPH. But to the extent you're concerned that there are issues broader in that neighborhood, I think the appropriate way to address that is not through this permit necessarily for an affordable housing project, but holding DTSC accountable, holding DPH accountable, having the board call a hearing around this issue, having DPH call a hearing around this issue, because it's not just this site, as we've heard, where, where there, are, there are concerns from the neighborhood. I mean, it's like any other issue we see in a neighborhood where there's concern and there are city city efforts or state efforts to, to, to work with them, there are other venues that probably are more appropriate than this board to address some of those larger concerns that the neighbors have. 
Yeah, I'm still, uh, uh, what I'm wrestling with, and I'm going to be redundant, I'm sorry, is that if we have another hearing, we're going to end up exactly where, where these folks were last week when I wasn't here, all right? And, uh, and we're all, we'll all be circling around the assurance of accountability for, to protect the citizens who might be uh, Im impacted. And uh, unfortunately, I can't, uh, that, that's, that, uh, that's where I'm throwing the burden back onto you who run the planning department and Mr. Green in DBI and the health department to make sure, how do we make sure by moving this forward yeah. and, and approving this permit, because it should be approved, under normal Absolutely. circumstances, and how do you move we, forward and hold hold you all accountable to protect the public? Yeah, if, if you if you're asking us to engage with our fellow agencies, to work with DTSC, to have additional hearings on what they're doing, to talk to Supervisor Ngardio's office, to potentially have a hearing at the at the board or a committee of the board to look at this issue, I think that's an appropriate venue, an appropriate action the city can take, if it's not. You know, if, if folks don't believe that DTSC is is doing what they're charged to do, I, I don't necessarily believe they're they're not doing what they're doing, uh, or, or they're not acting appropriately in DPH. But again, if there's concern by the neighbors, we should listen to it and take appropriate action. The act, the appropriate action is not to reject or add conditions to an affordable housing permit on one site that you've heard a lot of information about. The appropriate action is bigger than that into work uh, with DTSC, work with the supervisor on addressing some of those, those issues that the neighbors have. And I think DTSC is doing that. There seems to be some concern that they're not doing it to, to your satisfaction or appropriately. You know, I think that's an issue that, that, that DPH can call a hearing on, the Board of Supervisors can call a hearing on and, and get answers on that. You're, yeah. you're not gonna get answers by rejecting this permit. What, um, whether we do it, whether we take the action to deny tonight's appeal, or whether we go and have another hearing, we're going to probably end up in the same spot, I think, just based on experience. Uh, is the appropriate action, therefore, if we end up in exactly the same spot, to uh, write a, a letter from this board uh, to planning, health, DTSC, and uh, the, the Board of Supervisors to say, to indicate that this board is very concerned about this project and its accountability to the public with regard to health concerns and future projects that may fall under the, D, the, the SB 35 uh, umbrella and, and other projects? Is, is, or are we just gonna satisfy our own egos? I think that's an action you can take. Huh? I sure, sure. I think that's an action you can take. Right. And you think it's going to be an effective action to actually catch planning, DBI, health, and DTSC's attention that they should probably pay attention. And sure. If there's a if there's a board hearing or a hearing in front of the health commission that that that's looking at these issues, sure. I think that you know. I think mostly the issues surround. DTSC and DPH because they're related to the soil conditions, not necessarily planning issues about the height of the building or what the building looks like, but doesn't mean we're not happy to, to engage and even initiate 
those discussions with those parties. Yeah, and I, I hope you understand that I'm, I'm serving multiple masters here because that's all I do. That's all we do is serve multiple masters on 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 this commission. You know, we're 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 serving the master, which is that master who's requesting uh, the satisfaction of a housing emergency by building uh, yeah. a, a building. And we're serving the masters who are the, the citizens of San Francisco who we serve to protect their uh, their their health. And so that's that's really hard. And, to I, and I'd suggest the same to the to the neighbors if they have concern. And I think they're doing it is, you know, they spent a lot of energy in resources challenging this project. Probably not the, the best venue to get at the issues they have um, with the soil conditions, probably more appropriate to continue to press TTSC, talk to DPH, talk to their, their board member. Thank you very much for your, your conversation and testimony on this matter. Thanks. Deeply appreciate it. So, commissioners, um, I, 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 I think I ex exposed my, th my thoughts on this. I think that I'm not sure that there was full manifest injustice, um, but we all can discuss that now, I don't think there was any new, uh, new information that was presented. Um, if, we d if we do choose to have a rehearing, I honestly believe we're going to end up at the same spot. Uh, I honestly think that there's going to be somebody who's going to say deny the appeal or somebody's going to say uh, uphold the appeal. Gee whiz. <laughs> you know? and, and I do believe that there will be a split. And I do believe that ultimately, uh, and because we can't place a term, any terms and conditions on this type of permit, uh, that we are going to be st stymied in our efforts to, um, to put forth some uh, ac accountability on this. And, and therefore, given that I don't have a, a strong position or, or I don't see a strong issue on manifest injustice and there isn't any new information provided in my view, then I don't think that we have a rehearing because I don't see the benefit of, of having it move forward. But that's my position and I'd love to start with my next door neighbor here who will give us his thoughts. Thank you. And, you know, I, I agree that this is a very, very complicated topic. And I think my comments at the last hearing dealt with that, that we have a mess that needs to be cleaned up. And then we have a permit. And frankly, I don't think it's relevant what the permit is for, whether it's for affordable housing, a lot of housing, a little bit of housing. Um, it, it would be a permit to do something of the site regardless. And we're not weighing priorities here, or at least I don't think we should be weighing priorities when we look to the issuance of this permit in the case that we're in. Um, that I think, uh, President Swig, your, your comment that we will end up in exactly the same place is, is almost uh, the, the conclusion that shows that there's nothing manifestly um, unjust here because to get to the same place each time means that nothing is different each time and that our prior process and the prior facts that we heard and whatever new information we hear gets us to exactly the same place, so it can't be manifestly wrong for us to end up in exactly the same place each time. Um, since we were playing a little bit um, in the hypothetical world about the last hearing, I, I, I want to comment on that ever so briefly. Um, I, I do not think I would have supported your 
conditions on the permit, and it's not from an SB 35 status, um, although relevant. Um, I don't think we would have needed to have gone through that analysis because we, <laughs> we would have done a very poor job of crafting a condition in this circumstance because we are lay people dealing with a scientific issue. And the entire fight that we are having right now is about who is deciding whether or not the appropriate standards are being upkept. And if we were to hold the city accountable, we would have gone back, well, one, it wouldn't have been us that was holding them accountable. I mean, let's be clear about that. If someone thought that the wrong, that, that our dictates weren't being followed, it would end up in state court. It, it just would, because we, we have no jurisdiction over this. We, I mean, even, even in, on, on, on Maher, on, on the state toxicology cleanups, on state law on that, you know, even on things where we do have jurisdiction on, on tree cases in the Department of Public Works, we're working to make sure that we hold those accountable. And that's where we have jurisdiction. Where we don't have jurisdiction, we're ending up in state court anyway. So that's, that's one point I'd like to make. But what does it mean to fully clean up the site? I mean, that's, that's the, that is the main question. And the, quest, and the answer to that is that does not exist in the real world because one molecule is not fully cleaned up, but one molecule is also not actionably dangerous. And so we end up in this battle of the, um, of the experts, in, no matter the circumstance. Um, and whether, you know, whether we do the test that is the functional equivalent of an x-ray or whether we do the test that is a functional equivalent of an MRI and how much either cost and which treatment is the one to do. Now, I went through a lot about why I thought that the DTSC, and look, we have grilled them, and they have, and you know, and, and under our withering examination, they have faltered, and they have stammered, and they have contradicted themselves. But we're being asked to, that, to, to believe that the state agency is throwing out wholesale any sense of scientific ethics, any sense of what they are charged to do by the state of California to, to accept that there is manifest injustice in this case. And I've met a lot of public servants and I have disagreed vehemently with a lot of public servants, but I have found very, very, very few of them, unless they're getting something, you know, <laughs> material on the other side to be wholly absent in their duties and, and, and that's only in the individual circumstance. We're talking about how, how many folks have we talked to so far? I, I mean, it, 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 it buggers belief to think that that's what, what's going on here. Um, could they have done exactly what we asked and, and, and we would have felt better about it? Yes. Did they decide using their scientific judgment to do something different? Yes. Would it have been easier to have done what we asked? Probably. It wouldn't have been as scientifically robust, likely, but it probably would have been easier, but no, they did the test that they thought was the better test instead. And now, in a way, we're punishing them for that. And I'm not exactly comfortable with that either. It's a long way of going around that. I think that there's 
lots of fuzz on both sides of this argument. We ask about specific examples of where guidance wasn't followed by the DTSC, and they said, and the response was, well, there's a lot of truth to what they said. Soil vapor extraction can be used in these circumstances. Can is a big word because it doesn't, it's not must be used, is the best thing to be used, it can be used. They, for the DTSC, for reasons that they have given us in hours of testimony, have decided that is not the thing to be used on this particular location. It doesn't say they won't ultimately decide to do it in the middle of the street. It's not to say they won't do it up the street. Um, when we see, uh, now, I could keep on going on and showing all these examples of inconsistencies on both sides. I think that we have heard this, we have heard this at length. I think that we have accountability. It's in the Maher ordinance and it's under state law. It's in the political process. If those things are being violated, there are remedies to that. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on our point of view, it's not us, it's the state courts that are the ones that hear this. We're looking at this permit. I previously thought that the permit should be upheld. I do not think that there's been anything shown to us tonight that either speaks to manifest injustice in our prior decisions or presents the abound of evidence that could not have been presented previously that would give rise to rehearing under our, our rules and provisions. Thank you. Any other commissioners have any comments on yeah. this? Definitely. We'll just work our way down the line. Mr. Commissioner Trezvina uh, can follow and and the Mr. Vice President can be the cleanup. I figured that's what we were doing. Um, thank you to everybody who came out tonight and thank you to my fellow commissioners. I, um, it was very unfortunate in my opinion that uh, the basis for the manifest injustice was not, um, in my opinion, well, uh, well stated by the appellants tonight, uh, but I did hear several reasons in public comment that I um, that I believe could present a manifest injustice here, and that is what we are tasked to decide in this uh, in this hearing tonight. Um, we do not have to find that the DTSC colluded with the developer or anything along those lines uh, to find manifest injustice here tonight. Um, what we have to find in order to find a, a, a finding of manifest injustice is that the neighbors could potentially really get screwed over here. And, um, I, you know, I, to address things that were said earlier today, I, I, I did ask a lot of questions of DTSC on August 16th. There is no question of that, uh, about that. Uh, and I certainly asked far more questions of the DTSC than I asked of the appellants at, August, at the August 16th hearing. Um, and the reason for that is because I was less sure about what they were presenting. Um, the, what the appellants presented at, on August 16th and their experts was pretty straightforward to me. And what has been presented by DTSC at the last hearing and tonight is still less straightforward in my opinion. Um, I believe that uh, what was presented in, in, primarily in public comment tonight was that, uh, and also in the written public comment uh, that was submitted prior to the hearing, was that uh, one, the DTSC did not meaningfully meet with the neighbors prior to 
the August 16th hearing and in fact uh, met with them the afternoon before uh, and told them at that hearing, in, which was in written public comment, that uh, that there was no new information and then presented lots and lots of new information the following day at our hearing here. That is manifestly unjust to me and potentially presented a result uh, that wasn't warranted. Um, I believe that the DTSC likely intentionally presented significant data um, despite the fact that we'd had hearing months prior to that uh, that we asked them to come to um, two or fewer days before the last hearing so that the appellants did not have a, the chance to address it in their briefing, which obviously was significant in this case, um, and uh, so that the, even the public couldn't meaningfully respond to it because who has the time to address, uh, you know, piles of data uh, in the 36 hours before a hearing begins. Um, and finally, as uh, Commissioner Trasvina uh, mentioned earlier, the proposed cancer cluster map, we had heard ideas of a cancer cluster previously in hearings, but that map was new to me today. And that is extremely concerning. Um, and I don't understand how it isn't concerning to anyone. Um, that is uh, extremely alarming to me, and I think it deserves further consideration. Um, and I could not, in good conscience, not give that further consideration. I mean, uh, the telling, I, you know, I, I, I hear what Commissioner Epler says about, you know, this potentially not being the right venue, and I, I don't completely disagree with that. The problem is I, I don't see where else this can go. And what I see the need for here is somebody to stand up and fight for the residents of the Sunset District and I'm not seeing it elsewhere. And if this is the only possible path forward to doing that and ensuring that a proper cleanup goes, then I'm willing to stand up tonight and fight for um, fight for this and and vote for a motion to rehear this, even though this has taken up a huge amount of public resources and our time, this body's time, uh, the city's, uh, everybody's time, including the appellants as well and the neighbors. But the fact that the neighbors continue to show up and continue to be consistent in their messaging um, and, you know, uh, despite everything that's been presented, the hours and hours of testimony and the thousands of pages of data, um, to me speaks that this, you know, is a too big a risk to be taken. Uh, and I'll pass to Commissioner Trasvenia. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Lemberg. And I, I want to uh, concur in your uh, comments and, and presentation. President Swig, I want to thank you for your, for setting the tone uh, for this hearing at, 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 the, at the outset and also the, the, the comments you've, you've expressed. And I had hoped uh, that, and I still feel that, uh, having your active participation in this hearing makes a difference. That is why I sought to continue this matter so that you could be here because, because I, uh, and while some may view this as futile, um, that we're going to have the same vote if we do this over. It's either that or rewarding the stubbornness. Stubbornness of the developers. We could have done this. This could have been done a long time ago. Or the stubbornness of the governmental agencies. 
And I am frankly so disturbed by the governmental agencies, not only here, but throughout. We started off this hearing tonight with the planning department in its brief say, oh, well, the standard is new or different, new or different material facts. That's not the standard. Standard is ex except in extraordinary cases and to prevent manifest injustice. Is this an extraordinary case? We're talking about health, community health, neighborhood health. We're talking about cancer, renal cancer, Parkinson's disease. We're not talking about a single tree. We're not talking about a deck. We're not talking about an individual's, individual neighbor's privacy. We're not talking about an individual's view of the bay or the Golden Gate Bridge. We're not talking about a window. We're not talking about a driveway. Now, all of those are important considerations in the regular cases. This is an extraordinary case. If you want to look for a manifest injustice, all you have to do is look at page 397 that I pointed to earlier, the cancer cluster map. Manifest, clear or obvious to the eye or mind. Injustice, that being left untaken is an injustice. And the planning department says tonight, well, if there's a problem, the neighbors should just be talking to this one and that one, talk to the Board of Supervisors, talk to the Health Department, et cetera. Well, the Planning Department at the previous hearing made clear they turned a blind eye to the Board of Supervisors. On the Mar Resolution, a unanimous vote out of this Board of Supervisors to say take this action. What was the response of the Planning Department? It said, not our problem, go, go talk to DTSE. And DTSE last fall, as I quoted earlier, says, I can say it's a high, high priority for us to satisfy the concerns of the community. Does the community, does it appear that the community is satisfied? There are concerns about their health. That is a priority for us. We had an unprepared DTSC witness at the first hearing. We've had differences of views of, they told us apparently that they went for the more expensive approach, the longer approach. They didn't satisfy the community. Is the community's request reasonable? It's reasonable. I don't really care what else they've been doing or what they consider about the property. I don't consider this, uh, the, 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 I consider the bona fide nature of the complaints represented by the association, represented by the neighbors, represented the testimony about Mr. Michael's father-in-law, uh, other, other, other individuals who have come here facing cancer in their families. That's reasonable, that's legitimate, that's extraordinary. And that, was, that must be addressed. It hasn't been addressed successfully. Uh, and, and now we get to, now we get to the, the, the uh, sense of, well, we told you, or we told the community, it's a high, safety, their, their satisfaction is a high priority. We had the hearing and we said, don't worry, which is just a demolition permit. You still have other options, you still have other chances down the road. And now we're told, well, they already had a hearing before, they don't get to bring this argument up, up, up again. And we expected, as President Swig said, we expected certain things to take place back in February. It could have, and, and, and they, everyone acknowledged those things could have been done. And we, and we could have taken away the, 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 this, this, this remaining uh, issue of doubt. So we haven't had that. We've had uh, DTSC, we've had the, 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 the department say, oh, it's not our fault, go, go over there. And this is appropriately 
b before us. Um, and, and, ju and just finally, the notion that we are, as commissioners or as attorneys, we are unable to evaluate uh, experts and, and competing experts. That's what judges, appellate judges do that all the time. Trial judges do, do that all the time. Looking, lawyer, lawyers who take depositions question scientific and other experts. So we're perfectly capable of hearing from, hearing from various, uh, various experts, weigh, weighing the testimony, uh, and, 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 and making a decision. So I would say, in, in conclusion, I would say we have the, the, uh, the showing that this is an extraordinary case and manifest injustice if we do not continue. And, 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 and just finally, on the issue of whether this is futile, what, we're, what we are omitting in that trying to play out what's going to happen in the future is finally the, a change in attitude and a change in action either by the city agencies and state agency or by the developers to say, it's time we did this. And time we did this uh, because it doesn't matter that the uh, tetrachloroethylene is elsewhere. They acknowledge that it's on the premises. Is it suddenly that this tetrachloroethylene at 2550 is only going to stay there? It's not going to go anywhere else? Well, if it's migrated from someplace else to 2550, it could certainly migrate uh, elsewhere. And, and we have to get serious about the health of the community. The, the developers, they, they may be creating. And, and, and this, is, this is not to denigrate what they are doing or, 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 or to try to oppose uh, the importance of affordable housing in District 4 or anywhere in the city. But they are... Need, they need to be uh, both doing their important work to bring in new residents, but also new neighbors to the community. And this would go a tremendous way of, as, 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 was, as was said by, by the department, they had two choices. They could have done it their way, or they could have done it the, the, the neighborhood association's way. We thought they were going to do it the neighborhood association's way, and it would have, been, and, and and yet they didn't. So uh, I'm I am frustrated by the path that the agencies have taken us, uh, and and I I do believe that we have an extraordinary case and manifest injustice. And for that reason, I would support a motion to uh, grant a rehearing. So it's my turn. Um, <clears throat> I think one point that's that's been raised is um, whether or not this body is in a position to weigh the opinions of experts, and and I've made a similar point um, that I would distinguish in the following way. I concede that judges, courts of law, this body, and its board uh, can weigh the opinions of experts, and we do all the time, whether it's in this case or in the tree case. But I do think that if, if you are alleging improprieties and inconsistencies with, with the state agency, it's not enough just to raise those questions. You need to convince the, the deciders. I personally haven't been convinced. I think that if 
I mean, even, even the, the slide that was shown this evening pointing out the inconsistencies, I didn't see that in the briefing. I didn't see that fully fleshed out. We had arguments about hey, unequal time. That's not the same thing as here's a clear summary of what our experts are saying and why that's uh, more compelling that, than the experts that the state is entrusting with public safety. And so that's a completely different point than to say, hey, we can't weigh the opinions of experts. That's not, that's not at least the point that I've been making. I just personally, ha personally haven't been convinced by the appellants in a clear, succinct, cogent way that it's not appropriate to rely on our state experts uh, for this question. Back to the, the appropriate lens in terms of new evidence or manifest injustice, I think the map that was cited before, again, you know, uh, reiterating the, the, the point of, of one of my fellow commissioners, uh, I saw a map from September 2020. Uh, there's, there is this cancer cluster uh, exhibit, uh, I believe, from public comment in, in our files uh, or, or in, the, in the briefing tonight. Um, I think it goes back to the points which DTSC, I think, has been, you know, for, for all of the, the, the things that we, we haven't been satisfied with on the uh, public relations aspect of their duties, which I think are, are fairly subpar. <laughs> uh, I do think that they've been pretty consistent in saying uh, we have safe levels, uh, this is not the source, this won't stop remediation, these are the normal means and methods that we use. And we got testimony this evening that uh, when I, in good faith, engaged uh, both sides with these questions, lay out for me what are the inconsistencies specifically. We heard a response from the appellants when we turned to the DTSC. They said, well, our guidelines, they're actually not fully prescriptive, and there is a site-by-site -site analysis. So if that's, if that's what we're hanging our hat on, is you know, inconsistencies with other sites, with other uh, guidelines that are you know, not these ironclad, must-do, prescriptive uh, regulations, then, you know, I'm sorry, but the jump ball goes to the, the experts that our state has entrusted with public safety. And that's what SB 35 is saying, too. SB 35 is saying we can't go around the normal process if the normal process yields this result. And I agree with the comments of Director Hillis that, and, and, and it's, it's, it's echoing what, what I've said in, in other hearings about this not being the forum. And if, if I remember, if memory serves, you know, we even had a comment at the previous hearing from the appellants that, hey, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're using all our options, essentially, and this is the forum that we have. Well, I would just turn that around to say this isn't the only forum that you have. You know, there is the state court proceeding. There is, you know, the, the, the political process through the board, through the mayor. I mean, we, this is a public safety 
question. Public safety things, I mean, I'm not a political scientist, but they tend to be good political issues. We recently had a recall in this city of a public official, you know, ostensibly over public safety concerns. Those are the types of things that do tend to get the, the you know, public attention and political attention. And so there are those other forums. There's, there's FOIA requests, right? If, if these allegations of, of collusion, of improprieties, of cover-ups, if those things are there, and you all, the, the appellants do seem sophisticated, like there's, there's ways of collecting that information. Um, I haven't seen evidence of that uh, in, in what's been presented before us, but that doesn't mean that other, I, I mean, I guarantee at both the local level, the state level, the state legislature, the governor, if, if there's a cover-up and, and uh, improprieties at the DTSC, you know, politicians tend to want to respond to those things. That makes them look good when they can weed out corruption and improprieties. Um, I think I'm left in the same place. There's, there's no new evidence that I've seen, and then any argument about manifest injustice inherently uh, brings us back to the question that we've had, the same conversation and decision that we've had every time we've had a hearing on this, is do we trust DTSC? That's, that's what it boils down to in, his, in its essence. And I haven't, for all of the issues that I've seen in terms of, hey, you know, and, and if memory serves the request for public engagement, it wasn't even a, con a condition. It was something that we said, hey, it'd be nice if you could, if you could do this. And, and clearly our, our request wasn't uh, followed through uh, upon in, in the way that, that was satisfactory to, to any of us or, or to the public. Um, and that may be, I think, a, a potential just, you know, uh, previewing. That may be a potential uh, letter uh, that we may want to uh, consider. Um, but it, as far as the issue before us, when it goes back to those questions of uh, manifest injustice, I think it boils down to, you know, do we trust DTSC? And just speaking for myself, in weighing the experts, the competing experts, I haven't been convinced. I haven't been convinced. Thank you. Commissioner Epler. Thank you. Um, I appreciate the, the time speaking in uh, a second chance. I, I, I appreciate uh, Commissioner um, Lopez's comments um, because it, to me it, it's not even just trusting the DTSC at this point, although in, in my weighing of the expert opinions, and I, I do certainly agree that we can do that, I did provide theirs a little bit of additional weight on the basis of the testimony and the reams of evidence that we were provided. But the question is, do we trust the laws that we have to deal with this exact circumstance, the Maher ordinance, the you know, state laws that deal with the same? And that's, that's what's going to determine whether this is done correctly or not, not what we ask for them to do or, or have asked for them to do in the past. That those are the processes that's going to make sure that this is clean. And if I did not believe that this could be done in a clean way, or that this process, that the state law and the moral ordinance wouldn't be followed, then I'd feel very differently. But I have have some faith in that in that process, and I don't think that our stepping in the way of this would change that in any sort of way. 
because it came up, and I, I, I thought about doing this in my first bit of testimony, and I didn't, but I, I, I have to address the cancer cluster map. And I believe that this was created in good faith because people are scared, and they're scared because they're told there's this thing that causes cancer and can cause cancer, and there are high concentrations of this thing in certain areas in their neighborhood. This was not offered to us in a brief. It was not offered to us in the testimony of the parties. It was not sworn to. And that doesn't mean I wouldn't give it evidentiary weight, but then I look at this thing, and again, I 100% believe every single one of these dots to be what it purports itself to be. But I don't know when these cases were recorded. I don't know the duration of the time that the people lived here. I know nothing about their occupations. I know nothing about the prevalence of cancer outside of these blocks. We can't take this as evidence for what it purports to be because it does not show that evidence. A cluster has to be distinct of the surrounding area for it to be a cluster. And all I have are three blocks. I understand that this is scary and terrible, and I'm not saying it doesn't show that, but I'm also not saying that we can use this as evidence that it does show what it purports to show. And, and, and I can't hang, and I, I don't want us to hang uh, uh, this decision on, on this, this piece of, of evidence that is like coming and has been able to have been presented to us three times by the parties. Commissioner Chesvinia. Uh, thank you, President. So I'll, I'll, I'll be brief. And just on that last point, uh, if this was the first time we had heard of cancer in 2550 Irving in the neighborhood, I would say, well, yeah, who is this person who sends this in? But we've heard this consistently from day one. We've had people come before us and talk about their family members, talk about themselves, talk at people in this room, have had very difficult and tragic medical conditions. Because of this, because of this community, the, the 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 credit union had to had to shut had shut it down, because of, because of the the uh, tetrachloroethylene and and it's there, even the de developers say it's all on the premises, so this is and I, so I don't know why we would why we would uh, give less weight to a member of the public why why do we have all this public testimony if we're not gonna not gonna listen to it, for one and and and, and second is. By the same token, you can say, well, the rules, you, uh, you ought to listen, and people are saying we ought to listen to the state agency. We ought to listen to the experts. Well, we have experts on both sides, and when we've heard the expert, when we've heard DTSE say, even before we got this case, public, the, 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 the community's concern about safety is our priority, and then they go off and do something else. We expect them to do the, the, the soil vapor extraction, and then they go off and do something else. They've consistently, and, and, and then the Board of Supervisors says unanimously, take this under, take, take action. And the answer from the planning department was, well, that's DTSC's issue. Maher ordinance, maybe, but that's not under our jurisdiction. This is before us. And this is something that we cannot, uh, we, we, can't, we can't just uh, ignore. Uh, so I, I, I believe that the, the appellants have met the standards as that this is an extraordinary case. And we, are, we would be right to prevent manifest injustice 
by granting a rehearing and, and then uh, let the parties and the government and, uh, and others uh, see what they can work out and come back before us for that rehearing. Thank you. Commissioner Lemberg. I agree with everything Commissioner Trezvina just said, and I just want to add one more thing, which is uh, that I absolutely did not say we should take this map and, uh, and take it at face value and believe everything it said. I said that what was presented is extremely alarming, and I think it deserves further consideration, and that is all I said. Uh, and by further consideration, I mean further testimony, further digging into it, uh, which is what we do at hearings. So that's all I wanted to add. Commissioner Epler. And I, I certainly didn't mean to, to misrepresent that. I wanted to make, you know, clear to the, to, to express my views on this one particular piece of evidence that has come up for the public so that it didn't, you know, so that we all had a more fulsome conversation around it since we haven't been able to cross-examine anyone about it. Michelle Lopez? I think I'm good. Say it again? Uh, you yield my time. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask somebody to make a motion one way or the other. Uh, I guess since everybody had little two comments, I can um, follow up. Um, I, I do not think, um, you know, I, I happen to agree with every, a, a bit of everything from everybody. And I don't mean that to be conciliatory, to kiss your rear ends, to say I love you, kumbaya. I mean, I honestly hear all of your points. Um, this, it, if this permit is, if we move forward and we have, first of all, I don't, I, I really don't see the, uh, with respect, uh, Mr. Josvina, I don't see the manifest injustice as strongly as yourself. Uh, and the same thing with Commissioner Lemberg. Um, what I do see is that there's a big hole still in the accountability piece, which to make sure that, the, the, that this area is, is cleaned up. That is the job of DTSC, and it has nothing to do with this site. It has something to do with this site, and it has nothing to do with this site. And I, and I think that the DCSC is incumbent upon the DTSC um, as this project moves forward, or doesn't, but I really would like to see it move forward to make sure that not only this site is clean, but the entire neighborhood uh, gets, the, gets their attention and gets their focus and gets their priority of cleanup. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about should the permit be approved to build this building, and I, I think it should be approved, and I don't think that having, a, I don't think there's enough manifest, I don't see the manifest injustice or the new information to justify a new hearing one. And if we did justify it and we did have a new hearing, we'd end up in the same spot, which I would be saying we need to move this, this permit forward because it complies to all the, the building regulations. And, uh, and 
Mr. Hillis would be nodding, saying yes, SB 35 really mandates that you move forward with this anyway, so I think that's where we, we would end up. So I have to have faith, and I have to have faith that our public agency, which is DTSC, uh, and in conjunction with, in collaboration with the Department of Health and support of the Department of Health, and in, with collaboration and oversight from, from DBI, will get not only the this site cleaned up, um, or at least under control by the time this building is built, but also the neighborhood in general. So that that's where I am. Um, I'm not going to make the motion uh, because I don't want to, because uh, I'd rather that one of you make the motion and see where it goes, but I, I won't support a, um, a, a, a rehearing because I don't think that there's the, the justification for it, new information and manifest injustice, and also if we did, we're going to end up in the same spot and I would be supporting the, the, the permit and I'd be frustrated, as Mr. Hillis points out, that we can't hold anybody accountable to do a or mandate anybody to do a cleanup because of SB 35 or other other reasons. So that's where I'm at. So who wants to who wants to take a first shot at a motion, uh, see if they can move it forward? Commissioner Trezvini. I'd like to make a motion, and and uh, I think it's your 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 words are are cold comfort, um, but that's where that's where where we are. I I uh, I, I would uh, as I often agree with you. I would agree with you, uh, except for the mounting evidence, hearing after hearing after hearing of the agencies not listening and the cancer cluster there. Um, I, I will move to uh, grant the request for a rehearing uh, based upon this matter being an extraordinary case and in order to prevent manifest injustice. Thank you. Okay, so on that motion, Vice President Lopez? Nay. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? No. President Swig? No. So that motion fails two to three. Do we have another motion on the table? Do we have another motion? I'll, I'll move to deny the rehearing request on the basis that uh, there's been no new evidence presented since the prior hearing and there is uh, insufficient evidence for manifest injustice. Okay, on that motion, Commissioner Trezvina? No. Commissioner Lemberg? No. Commissioner Epler? Yes. President Swig? Yes. Okay, so that motion carries three to two and the request is denied. And that concludes the hearing. Thank, uh, you. thank you everybody for a constructive exercise. I really appreciate the fact that uh, we kept this very constructive, very supportive, and, and did our best to work through a very difficult issue without any personal uh, exercises, shall we say. Thank you. And next, and next hearing is when? See you on the 27th, y'all.